crumbled, buildings entirely crushed and crumbled. I'm not sure if it's safe to report from my vantage point. I I really need to leave. So the fences informed me that the surrounding areas are, are in ruin. I I see some people running now. And the opinion of this reporter, if this nation, or in fact the world, ever needed heroes, that time is now. That time is now. Shrine.com and FirestormFan.com. I'm one of your hosts, the Irredeemable Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my Zootomic co-host, Rob Kelly from the Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? We do this every week. What does that mean? I, I don't know. Uh, it's on my Z list, and it just sounds really cool. So just go with it. Fair enough. So, folks, uh, we are back, and it has been uh, an exciting seven days for us. But what I'm most excited about is that this episode is entirely about you. You. Imagine, imagine you, us pointing at you right now. I, exactly. I am. I, I actually have my finger out doing an Uncle Sam, you kind of pose. It's all about you, man, because this is our massive listener episode. Now you're going you're gonna to do the echo thing in my voice there, right? Maybe. Damn it. All right. Well, anyway. Well, before we get started on that, uh, let's give a shout-out to our sponsors. Um, in, in the vein of some of the listener feedback we've got here, I'm kind of going with nostalgia. So, uh, folks, this episode of the Fire & Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. If you're not familiar with InStock Trades, then you haven't been listening very well the last several shows, but it's your <laughs> best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 45% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. And uh, the book I picked out, and since I'm on my nostalgia bin, and my my uh, my comic book quote unquote joy is like 1982 to 1988, I picked from 1987 the three issue miniseries that's been collected as the Green Arrow Long Hunt, Longbow Hunters trade paperback. Uh, this is an awesome thing by Mike Grell. Really took Green Arrow from being the boxing glove guy, boxing glove arrow guy, to being a very serious, dark, edgy character. I mean, it did push you towards the dark 90s stuff, but man, this was so good. Had uh, Black Canary in there, made some huge life changes for her, and also introduced us to Shadow. So, 160 pages, 
right now you can get it on in-stock trades for 45% off. Uh, normally it goes for $14.99. You can get this sucker for $8.24. And Sweet. let me tell you, it, it is worth every freaking penny. I remember that series. I remember it also established Green Arrow was 43. That's very specific. Yeah, I don't know why I remember <laughs> that, but I do. Uh, yeah, well, my selection for this week is related to uh, Joe Kubert, um, the master Joe Kubert, my former instructor, Joe Kubert. Uh, this week saw the release of Comic Book Creator number two. Comic Book Creator is the new magazine from Tomorrow's from John Cook, who did Comic Book Artist for Tomorrow's, and that is like one of my all-time favorite magazines. I've read every issue of CBA cover to cover at least a dozen times. Um, so the new magazine is Comic Book Creator. It's number two. It's an all-Joe Kubert issue. It's a tribute to him. It features – it's like a, the digital version is something like 240 pages, wow. and the, uh, the print version is 160, and it's just packed cover to cover with interviews and articles – uh, including a series of testimonials from uh, the people who worked with him or knew him or were instructed by him, which includes me. So, yeah, there's a little, there's a little testimonial in there from me. I'm very proud of that, that I got to be included in such uh, such fine company, you know, like Tom Mandrake and Tim Truman and a bunch of other really, really amazing people. I'm very, very proud to be part of it. Um, so I wanted to talk – I wanted to uh, – to, uh, Select something from Insock Trades that's Joe Kubert related, and we're going to do the Viking Prince trade paperback, mm-hmm. uh, which was Viking Prince was a strip that was in Brave and the Bold before the Justice League showed up, and everything went to superheroes at that point. It's uh, let me give you a description. In the fifth century Iceland, an amnesiac Viking warrior, right there, amnesiac Viking warrior, faces <laughs> <laughs> you just don't, you don't even have to sell it anymore. Faces peril from the ruler of a neighboring village, as well as giants, sea monsters, witches, and more. Collecting classic adventure tales from Brave and the Bold 1 through 5, 7 through 20, and Our Army of War 162 and 163. It's 296 pages of Joe Kuberty goodness. You're going to love, <laughs> you are going to love the cover. It's Viking Prince and this really hot blonde chick facing a monster with a giant eyeball. You can't beat it. Normal price $39.99. Instock Trades has, Instock Trades has it for $21.99, 45% off. Awesome deal. An amazingly fun little strip. Uh, check it out; you won't be disappointed. Very cool. That sounds like a great selection. And our thanks to Instock Trades for uh, helping uh, sponsor the show. Awesome sauce. Well, folks, uh, this is a massive, massive listener feedback episode. We are covering the episodes of this show, episode fifty-four, all the way through episode sixty. So there's a lot of commentary across the seven episodes. Now, I, we've talked about a little bit before how we do this. We, we compile everything we can find across the interwebs into a Microsoft Word document for us to use. And just to peek, pull back the curtain for a second here, I did a little bit of uh, calculations here. This sucker, this document that Rob and I are using is, I kid you not, 50 pages long. <laughs> That's how much feedback you guys give us. You guys are amazing. I've said it before. I've said it a thousand times. And there's absolutely no exaggeration whatsoever in that. Uh, and I will continue to say it. You guys are the single best listening community of any podcast on the web, it, without a doubt. You guys are amazing. Uh, this is not just Rob and I's show. This is y'all's show as well. So 50 pages. Did a word count. There's over 33,000 words here. <laughs> and only 30,000 of them are from Frank. Oh, I was headed for that same <laughs> joke. I'm glad I didn't say anything. <laughs> Yeah, well, part of the reason we wanted to do this, this is our first episode that is entirely listener feedback. We've never done one that was all listener feedback. And uh, Shag and I had been talking about it, and we realized that frequently 
since we would put listener feedback in at the end of the show, it was kind of getting short shrift because we had done, you know, over, we ran over, ran overtime on the uh, initial topic and we were having to sort of run through the feedback and that sort of left us both a little frustrated because we really wanted to give it, you know, all the feedback as much time, airtime as possible. So we just thought, well, we'll take a couple episodes off and then do a, a complete listener feedback show. And that way we feel a little more relaxed about going through it all because we're not sort of jamming it in at the end. So that was the idea. So, you know, when you guys end up you know, hearing this one, let us know what you think. If you like having the listener feedback be like one one every five or six episodes and having its own show, or do you like it interspersed among the other shows? You can let us know uh, what you think after you uh, hear what we do here. Awesome. Um, want to give a shout-out to a couple of folks who uh, gave us shout-outs, so sort of a return. Kind of it's like a snake eating its own tail, I suppose, after a while. But anyway, <laughs> our thanks to Chad Bokelman for uh, giving us a shout-out on his blog, Corpse Conjecture where uh, you'll hear us talk quite a bit about nostalgia and blogging tonight. And uh, Chad wrote a dissertation on it over on his, on his blog that is really, really well done. Uh, and he got responses from, from fellow listeners like Sean Corey, Lil Russell Burbage, and Jim Ford. He also gave us a shout-out on Lanterncast, uh, which is a podcast he's on, Lanterncast number 160. Within the first three minutes, Chad Bokeman called us the oldest people he knew. <laughs> Thanks so much for that. Dick. Um, <laughs> our buddy Robert Gross, who goes by Martin Stein, uh, either RIP or returns, depending on what he feels like, uh, he started up a new podcast uh, which, with the acronym BASS. It's the Believer and Skeptic Show, and uh, they gave us a shout-out over on their podcast. We appreciate that. Thank you very much. And Luke Giaconetti, a one-time guest host of this show, gave us a shout-out over on his blog, Being Carter Hall, talking about him being on the show, and that was a lot of fun. Really got a lot of positive response for Luke being on the show. I don't think we should have him on the show again. It's made me feel like I got like an inferiority complex. And then J. David Weeder gave us a shout-out over on his blog, Dave's Amazing World of Comics. So thank you guys, all of you all, for doing that. Anyway, the, we're just sort of jumping in the pool hip deep here. Uh, we're talking about episode 54, which is the Power Records episode. We've got a comment from Tim Wallace, who runs the Blue Beetle blog, cordindustries.blogspot.com. He says, this was fun. Keep bringing them back, please. I loved how one trader, the one trader sounded like Peter Laurie in the Conan story. That is right. I wanted to mention that, and I completely forgot. I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't think of that to mention that during the show. Uh, as far as the Riddler, I know you mentioned that there were no credits for the voice cast, but I would swear that that was Howard Morris, Ernest T. Bass on the Andy Griffith show. He did a lot of voice acting from the Flintstones and Archies in the 60s to Garfield in the 90s. I, I don't quite hear that there, Tim, but it's possible. It is possible, and of course, uh, Howard T. Morris appeared in the uh, those uh, su- those live action superhero specials in the late seventies too. So he does have a superhero connection. I yeah, I don't know if we'll ever know whether he was the Riddler or not. So it's entirely possible. Well, he goes on to share some thoughts on. We did that Geek Talk episode where we talked a lot about nostalgia and talked about what should be posted on blogs, and I'll just read some tidbits from his response here. He said, like Frank, I too have focused my attention on a lesser-known character, Blue Beetle, and right out of the gate, and in a few posts since, I've stated my passion and mission is to focus on Ted Kord. He was my Blue Beetle, and it's my blog. Uh, then he goes on a little bit later to say, the, issue, the shrine, I mean the Aquaman shrine, that was my inspiration for starting up the Blue Beetle blog. Sure, I'm still new to this, more of a second-string JLI than full-fledged Justice League of bloggers like some of you, but I still stand up and fight beside you when some D-bag troll just tries to start stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Tim. 
And then uh, I had brought up a subject in that episode about fi- – tied into that saying find your comfort food in comics. And he gave us his bit here, and I, and I love these kinds of stories. I love it when you guys get personal and tell us what is – Important to you. So here we go. As far as my comfort food comics, old horror comic books do the trick for me. Uh, I remember going to a flea market one Sunday with my mom as a kid and coming home with a small stack of yellow-paged raggedy gems. Boris Karloff, Tales of Mystery, I, Vampire, Ghostly Tales, and more. Lately, I've been stocking up on DC showcases like House of Mystery, Secrets of the Sinister House, Ghosts, and back issues of Weird War Tales with the Creature Commandos. Some of my favorite childhood memories are my mom letting me stay up late to watch Dracula or Frankenstein on the local Creature Feature show. These comics bring me back to that feeling of those memories. And as Shag would say, they're my mac and cheese. (laughs) Uh, we got another comment from Corey H. regarding the Power Records. He made it short and simple. Yay, more Power Records. Thanks, Corey. <laughs> Sadly, Corey, they're not going to make any more Power Records. No, unfortunately. Oh, oh if only. Uh, <laughs> we got a comment for the Power Records. It was from birth to Chris. He says, I have several Batman Power Records, but not this one. I prefer the Batman and Robin voice actors from the LP featuring Robin meets Man Bat, but the story was great. Like a serious version of a Batman 60s, uh, 60s Batman TV tale. Not a big Conan fan, but the story was fun. I'd love to see the comic. It's Neil Adams, after all. Um, unfortunately, Chris, there is no comic book version of that Conan story. They didn't do any... Um, well, no, I take it back. There is of that. There isn't of the other three from the LP that it was... I was going to say, yeah, the Conan yeah. one they did years later, right? Yeah, like yeah, the- yeah. It was in the comic book version. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking of the other three stories on the LP, which are not. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, he says, please give us more. Heck, start a separate podcast for this. We've thought about that. We haven't gotten around to it yet. If you ever get around to Robin Meets Man Bad, I hereby volunteer to co-host that one with you. It rocked my four-year-old world. We can't turn that down. <laughs> so that's where it's going to be worth it to do just for that. <laughs> yeah, we've actually toured around. You know how like, we have Who's Who is sort of a separate podcast, but within the family of podcasts for Fire and Water. We're, you know, maybe we could do some with Power Records. Let us know what you think, guys. Yes. Uh, he, he jumped in here. Um, oh, you probably want to talk about the Alan Brenner thing, but I was just going to go to the end piece where he goes, uh, and, and this is still Earth 2 Chris. And yes, go to your local libraries and check out the comic section. Shag is right. Sorry, Rob. Most libraries now have really nice selections of trade paperbacks and graphic novels. My wife is a librarian, and she helps order the graphic novels since she's an unknown geek. I do most of my comic reading from the library nowadays. Having a lifelong crush on Barbara Gordon, it's cool to have a wife who's a librarian. Maybe I'm sharing too much here. <laughs> I don't think I argued with you about libraries. I think I was just surprised. Yeah. I didn't think I was arguing them. So. Uh, but anyway, he mentioned the thing about Alan Brenner. Rob, I'm totally jealous of you meeting Alan Brenner. You should be. He's always been one of my favorite comic writers, even though he's only written a handful of stories, as you pointed out. The man has had two stories in the very first edition of The Greatest Batman Stories Ever Told, and at that point he'd probably only written about maybe five comics total. <laughs> I told you, the guy's good. The guy's really good. Um, yes? Now, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to move on because he, he sent us in a comment about episode 56, the Hawkman series cancellation thing. Did you want to get Yeah, he says we missed a live-action Hawkman we in did, between yeah. Legend of the Super Friends and Smallville, the infamous Baby Ruth commercial. I don't know what he's talking about. He says, I this was, I okay, well, he says this was the Avatar post-zero-hour Hawkman to boot. Shows how much DC thought of the character at the time to lend him out for such ridicule. Yeah, there was a babe commercial for Baby Ruth featuring a live-action Hawkman, and they just like goof on him and he looks ridiculous. It's just make it, it, It's totally baffling. Like why? Huh. Why was why why why? <laughs> like, what was it? Why would there have been a commercial for Baby Ruth featuring any superhero? Why Hawkman? Like I, I remember seeing it at the time, and it just I just couldn't wrap my head around it. You know? So, uh, okay, all right, well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> I was going to jump in here. He uh, moving on. He we covered Firestorm Classic Number One. 
And he said, just out of curiosity, how come you didn't start the recap with the very first Firestorm number one? Either way, I enjoyed the trip and the Wayback Machine. Um, Chris, the reason why was we had once before covered the sort of loosely the first five issues of that, that yeah, Firestorm the series. early days episode of the Firestorm. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, th- those are great. They're absolutely great. They are the starting point for Firestorm. They are fantastic Bronze Age comics. They read like a Marvel comic of the DC Universe, which is great. But it's the Fury of Firestorm series, this one from 1982, that really made Firestorm a household name for a couple of years. And um, that's, that's, that's where we want to go. So that's what we're doing. Plus, on a sort of mnemonic level, it was easier, like, the first series ends at number five. So it right. would have had to start over at number one with the next series. But, the, but if, we, if we started with the Fury series, we can match up with, you know, 21, 1, 22, 2, 23, 3 for quite a long time because, obviously, Firestorm runs for, for a really long time. So all that was Well, the number is probably going to get out of sync if we do annuals. But well, that's true. Okay. We'll figure it out. Uh, he sent us a comment about the episode 58, the Red Tornado JLA uh, episode. He said, one thing I always remember from number 182, Perez, or maybe Beatty, spotted blacks on Wonder Woman's shorts throughout. Instead of the standard blue, they were in shadow almost entirely throughout the issue. As a burgeoning artist, it made me aware of how artists can interpret things differently. Perez's time on JLA was way too short. This is about as classic as you can get. I agree with that, Chris. You, you very kindly skipped a piece that he wrote here that I'm just going to get right to. Um, he said, I'm not really getting why Shag was so down on, down on the continuity in this issue. The past has to be addressed to move ready forward. Morrow's past got severely muddled over the years due to sloppy editing, so this had to be addressed too. Like Doug, this kind of stuff fascinated me and gave an understanding of the width and breadth of the DCU. I didn't mind it at all, then or now. Alright, let's just get this out there. I got attacked by almost <laughs> everyone on the internet. Like, people that don't even listen to our show right now. Um... I believe you I will, were. I believe you were censured on the floor of the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I will try and explain myself one more time, and then we'll just we'll acknowledge everyone making fun of me. Well, but, uh, I don't like panels with rounded corners. Well. No, here's the deal. I am fine with flashbacks. I am. I am fine with continuity. I am not fine with overburdensome continuity. Uh, Tio Morrow's four pages. Four pages to cover Tiro Morrow's background and history and why he's different. I don't care for four pages. Perfect example is in Firestorm Classic number two, uh, they, they did the whole black buys and they recapped issue number one in one page. And they did this cool sort of like clock facing eight slices or whatever to tell the story. And if they could have done Tiro Morrow's recap in one page, I could have survived it. Or if they'd thrown it all the front or something, but, but four pages, oh my gosh, it was too much for me. So I understand I, I am, for the most part, alone on this, on the planet Earth. So. <laughs> you did take quite a drubbing, I will admit. Yes. All right. <laughs> on to the Geek Talk episode. Uh, he said, as for the grumpy old man thing, I can relate, but I don't think it's that... I don't think it's just we're old and don't like change. I think that most mainstream comics are being aimed at a younger demographic than that think, quote-unquote, mature means boobies and dismemberment every issue. Yes, that is as true. You get, as you get older, most folks can come to appreciate a quiet but heartfelt story that may just be two characters talking for the most part. Can you imagine the DC of today publishing Who is Donna Troy? That is about as mature, a comic, mature as comics get, and not a nary a severed limb or giant boob in sight. This Lil Gotham comic sounds like something both me and my white kids would like. So I'm going down. So I'm, so I'm going to try it out based on your recommendations. See, you are promoting new books, just the type of books that suit your taste. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, I, I absolutely uh, agree with that sentiment because, and and I can give a real world example: is the 
one of the uh, aforementioned D-bags uh, that I mentioned in the nostalgia <laughs> episode that, that was taking me to task so harshly on the shrine. Um, this is the same person who a couple or a couple of years ago um, in a comment on the shrine, I was bemoaning Flashpoint and saying that I thought Flashpoint was so violent. I found it just a little discouraging that or maybe it was Blackest Night. I forgot. I think it was Flashpoint. But I was just sort of saying, you know, I just found it a little a little wearying that it was just so bloody with heads being cut off and all the sorts of stuff. And this 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 person uh, popped up and basically said, well, you know, you're wrong. Um, comics can't be for kids. I like my comics mature. And I was like, okay, that's where this guy's taste is. Like to him, ultraviolence equals mature. You know, and, and I just completely disagree with that assessment. Uh, to me, there, that's immature. It's false maturity. You know, it's like, oh, we put boobies and violence in comics. That makes them mature. No, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing was mature. Uh, Miracle Man was mature. You know, uh, all those sorts of things. Not putting, you know, boobs and violence in your comic makes it mature. And unfortunately, that's where a lot of comics fans are nowadays. So, yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's just that 20-year cycle. Everything, you know, fashion, everything has a 20-year cycle. Well, the 90s was all about boobs and, and, uh, and, and violence. And now we're 20 years later. Wait, or is it 30 years? Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Rip Van it's, Shag. It's all, it's all just going back full circle, so. Um, I'm going to take us back a moment in the document because I, there was something that Corey Hodgson shared. I wanted to read. He gave us sort of his, gave us a nice little bit that I wanted to go back to. He goes, um, talking about the geek talk episode because anyway, it's a funny, funny, the topic of reading what you enjoy came up about two weeks ago. I started getting old issues of the new teen Titans and the flash Wally West on comiXology. I've never read the early issues of the new Titans and I'm really enjoying it. The flash takes me back to the summer of 1987. Life was never simpler than when I had a uh, Geis Baron flash in my hands, my older brother's copy of dire straits, brothers in arms blasting through my Walkman, <laughs> and my best friend's older sister prancing around the pool in her bikini. Okay, so only the Flash comic still holds up as well today. Sorry, Denise. Sorry, Mark Knopfler. <laughs> the comics today just don't have the same magic and sense of wonder for those comics that first grabbed my attention back in the 80s. Uh, I think it's like you and Rob said. Today's comics aren't made for us old folks. I don't think it's because we are disillusioned by them. It's just that we've all seen it before. I suspect when the fan that was upset at you for not covering what they wanted you to cover gets to be in the 38 to 50 age Dude, we're not 50. I just want to make sure that's clear. Anyway, the 38 to 50 age range, you will have the same realization. There's only so many stories you can tell and only so many ways to tell them. The version you read as an adult will never have the same magic and wonder as the versions you read as a kid. Oh, so. sure, right. That's the Neil Gaiman comment. The golden age of comics is when you're 12. You know, that's what that is. It oh, is. that's – oh, I like that. That's good. He's he should write, he yeah. should write some other stuff. <laughs> that's He's, funny. He occasionally does come up with some pithy comments, yes. Um <laughs> Uh, he sent us a uh, – same. we're still, we're still talking about our two Chris here. Uh, oh, we are? Oh, I thought we were not. I'm sorry. I'd no, move, okay. still moving on. I'm, uh, one more thing I want to get into him. He, read, he sent us a comment regarding episode 60, Aquaman number 22 and Firestorm Classic number 2. Uh, funny you should comment on the amount of comments you guys get because I was just about to stroke your egos. I have to say you guys have the best rapport of any podcast going. So Aww. much, so much <laughs> – I was squinting at that when I read it. So much so that I'm going back and listening to all your episodes from the beginning, even though they're mostly about comics I don't even own. Seriously, you two have something special here. I now listen to quite a few podcasts, and some of these folks, God bless them, they really try, but they have the radio presence of mud. And others go overboard and just stomp all over their co-hosts. It's aggravating. You've hooked me. It took who's who to get me in the door, but now I'm a nuclear sub for life. Thank Aww. you. Thank you very much, Ritsu Chris. I appreciate that. Okay, I will... 
I'll have to say, I'm going to say two quick things to, to toot our own horn. Um, cause you know, I have an ego. Uh, the first is getting 50 pages of comments and 33,000 words is an incredible ego stroke. And just as mm-hmm. like, Wow, that's awesome. I'm so thrilled with that. And the other is, I have to say, if you haven't listened to, like, if you're selective and only listen to a few episodes of the show, I think episode 60 was pretty good. Um, the last one we covered, when we covered Aquaman number 22 and Firestorm number 2, like, we really can, we really had a, like a, we were in the groove with each other. There was some good banter in that one. Hmm. Anyway. I, it's not very often that I, we get done with the podcast, and I was like, I feel like that one went well. I usually am hypercritical of it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you guys should hear. At, at the end of every episode, we're both kind of like, oh, that didn't work. Right. <laughs> but last one, I felt like, you know, we were hitting on all thrusters. Okay. okay. Anyway, we heard from our buddy Count Druncula, Ryan Daly. Still love that name. Um, oh, it's the Power Records. Well, I'll just read it. He said, uh, <laughs> this is great. I love it. Ryan, you got to understand, Ryan has a history of being a total snarky asshole, and I love it. <laughs> And he comes back about the Power Records episode. He says, boo on this. I've waited nine weeks to hear you review Aquaman number 20, Rob. Because this kind of last-minute scheduling hosting changes are killing this podcast and have me seriously considering taking my desire to hear Aquaman and Firestorm discussion to another show. <laughs> I what, Let us know what that show is. I'd like to hear it. Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost – it's like a nice parallel to your, you know, your troll, and, uh, but, but in, in humor. So I love yeah. it. Anyway. Uh, he sent us a comment regarding the episode 55, Aquaman, Just League number 20. To answer some of your questions, Shag, no, there definitely are not enough Batman books coming out for Villains Month. DC choosing to spotlight only 16 of his rogues <laughs> <laughs> is a clear indication that they've lost faith in his ability to attract readers now that Grant Morrison has moved on. I would love that if they did six. I, you know what? It's funny. When I first read it, I didn't know whether that was a joke or not. <laughs> I assumed it was, but I couldn't be positive. I was like, I tell you. Count Dracula is a riot. Now, if you, Count Dracula did this one thing where he – several episodes. When we did episode 50, that four-hour podcast, he's the one who did like live blogging of it where he lost his mind by the end of it. So, If, so, if something happens to Frank, uh, <laughs> he will step right in. He's ready. You know, we'll, he's ready. we'll promote him. Okay. Yeah, he's ready to step right in as the guy that insults us. Uh, regarding episode 57, Aquaman 21 and Firestorm Classic number one. Terrific job, guys. Every episode of the Fire and Water podcast continues to feel more recent than the one before. <laughs> this, this installment was no different. Every time I worry this format might be getting stale, you throw in timeless references to Cheers and Frazier. <laughs> Keep up the great work. Now, he told us how to pronounce uh, – I always call him Neris, but uh, he says his near Eus. I don't know where he's getting Aquaman. that. He, he's acting like he's an authority somehow. I don't know. He's not. Well, I mean, we drove him – to insanity where he lost his wife. So, I mean, he, maybe he's, you know, brushed up on this stuff. So I guess so. It's possible. Uh, we got, we get, we got, a, we got, well, we got lots of comments as we always do from Jack Dower, one of our favorites, uh, regarding the power records episode. He now, said, if you don't, if, if you don't know Jack Dower, Jack Dower has a sickness and it, it's been medically documented. Um, and so we try and show as much, um, you know, a, kindness to him as possible but he has a sick weird fascination with the penguin and uh he's getting help he's on medication but you know hey he's a fan so hang in there jack well for those of you who have seen the movie halloween you ever seen the movie halloween Shay? uh the original yeah yeah that's what i mean they're oh, god who cares about rob zombie the original uh the the, the scene where uh donald pleasance and the uh, the nurse or something are driving to the mental hospital and they see that the, the place the uh, place has been like broken into and they look around not broken into but the, the inmates have escaped and he looks out the window and all the mental patients are just wandering around in the rain 
that's what I imagine with Jack Dower. It's just sort of a, somebody <laughs> in from. somebody well somebody in a robe with no back behind it and his butt is exposed and he's got like one slipper on and he's just <laughs> wandering. He's just wandering the rainy grass talking about the penguin. You know, he's just. <laughs> well, folks, uh, just so you know, this will be our last listener feedback episode because after we've called our <laughs> listeners assholes and lunatics, we probably won't get any more feedback ever again. <laughs> anyway, he asked me, whatever happened regarding the Power Records? He said, whatever happened to Power Records? How do you rate them compared to the current stuff from Graphic Audio or Big Finish? I can't say I'm terribly familiar with either one of those. I have, <sighs> I, I have listened to uh, – they did the Kingdom Come. They did an audio version of Kingdom Come, which I thought was very good. Um I don't know if that was Graphic Audio or not. I don't know. No, I, yeah, Gra- I don't remember. Graphic Audio did that Infinite Crisis I sent you like, oh, I don't know, two years ago. Yeah, it's, just sitting, it's got an amazing Aquaman couple scenes in it. Sitting here want. in a folder that I just haven't been able to play yet. And Big Finish is the guys who do the Doctor Who stuff. Ah, okay. Uh, and then he he, he adds, um, P.S., when I was a kid, we had the Joker story, Spider-Man vs. Draco, the Dragon, and the Fantastic Four one. My brother and I wore out those records. Does Commander Kelly think we could eventually work in the Fantastic Four episode and maybe the Spider-Man one sometime? Yeah, I want to get to all of them. I mean, I have every power record they ever made. So my plan is to get to every – even the boring ones. So <laughs> I would love to get to every every one possible. In terms of what happened to the power records, I don't know. I mean, they just stopped. They just went away. I mean, Peter Pan was the, the parent company. They went out of business, although they lasted a lot longer than the, than the power records imprint. They just stopped making them. I mean, the, the document – considering – how much – how many websites are, are, are out there that are devoted to pop culture minutia? It is amazing to me that the power records are still relatively untapped. Like I for the life of me cannot find hardly any information on them. And you would think that somebody writing a blog article or something would – I mean like if you want to know about the superhero SeaWorld shows from the 70s, you know, where everybody was you – know, they had mm-hmm. in Ohio – you can go to Mark Tyler Nobleman's website called Noblemania, and he has like 30 posts on the SeaWorld things, interviews with the original people. I mean like everything has been covered except Power Records. It almost feels like it's my destiny to do it. Uh, but, you know, I only have so much time in my life. It's your density. It's my density. I just saw that right. in a the theater the other day. It's funny. I love that. I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a Doctor Who Back to the Future mashup t-shirt right um, now. So, so I, I don't know what happened to them, Jack. They just went away. That's, that's all I can tell you. I'm, I'm going to jump forward a bit. Uh, his He sent us an email on every episode, and there are some of our absolute favorite emails. They're so awesome. So he sent us this great one about the Hawkman cancellation, and I, anytime he mentions Penguin, I have to bring it up. He says, first, I want to join Lieutenant Luke in his exhilaration. I, too, know the unparalleled pleasure of completing your collection with the princely plastic effigy of the privileged Pasha of pilfering parasols, plumage, and plunder. <laughs> And then he asks a big Godzilla question, which would really I need Luke to answer, and I forwarded it to Luke, so I can't help him with that. Um, We're outsourcing our listeners. We are. He, he, he also he gives us a question each email, which is wonderful, and some of them – we're going to get to a couple of them. Here's one. Here's my question. Uh, this is on the next one on um, Aquaman and Firestorm. I love the new 52 maker of Scavenger, although I miss the ability to rot water. Dude, preach it. I'm with you, brother. In the new 52, they have uh, been giving a harder edge to some of the lighter villains, for example, Sea Scavenger, Prankster, and the Viscount of Avian Villainary. <laughs> Commander Kelly, if DC asked you to update the Fisherman for the new 52, how would you do it? Skipper, we know it would take five hours to, in, to delve into the perfection that is Slipknot, but which Firestorm Rogue or Rogues would you get the new 52 treatment? How would you do it? So, Rob, the Fisherman. Um, well, hmm. 
I mean, I, I, I think probably wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to maybe tie him into um, all those, like, illegal whaling and all that. I mean, it's kind of a grim subject, but um, there's a lot of, you know, like, illegal harvesting of whales and dolphins and things that aren't supposed to be going on. And uh, I would, like, maybe turn him into somebody, the fisherman, to somebody who works for other countries that have laxer laws regarding this stuff. And, of course, Aquaman's not going to tolerate any of that stuff. And I think you could kind of get into that whole whale wars thing where, you know, the people are doing this to save these creatures, but yet they might be breaking the law. And there's kind of a nice little conflict there. I always feel like Aquaman is going to be in constant conflict with the world's laws because the world's laws are always like, well, you can kill, you know, this many dolphins or this many whales. And to me, you know, Aquaman is like, no, one is too many. Um I can see why some writers stay away from that because it is kind of a no-win scenario. I mean, you're not going to turn him into a villain where he's fighting the governments. So I can see why you maybe don't want to handle it. But I think there might be some interesting ground to cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, in regard to Firestorm, I mean, they they just brought back pretty much most of my favorite villains in the very end of Dan Jurgen's run. I mean, you got to see him for three seconds. But, like, I would really like to see the hyena explored more. Uh, you take it in a different direction than the summer day storyline, you know, g- give us some long history of, you know, a where hyena race living somewhere. And like, it's almost like a subculture hidden, like werewolves, uh, you know, like some of the better werewolf fiction slipknot is as much as we joke, there could be some stories there, not for firestorm though, probably as we've said before, like a green arrow character or, you know, a street level kind of daredevil villain if you will he you know he'd be great in that sort of capacity and i really the one i want to see the most fleshed out really is multiplex there's so many opportunities with him and i i don't know what the best way to do it is but just making him a complete asshole who's also i keep using that word sorry uh with a, a huge scientific intellect and really play off that scientific intellect instead of just making him the bad guy of the week like they did in the old days and the original continuity i think that would be great that's that's the direction i would go so right. uh jack also mentions this one thing i wanted to make sure we got in he says do you do advertising on your show i set up an account within stuck trades I found Essential Namor, the Submariner, Volume 1, for half the price you get on Amazon. Thank you, Commanders, but I'd like to give you guys credit with in-stock trades. How do I let them know you got that, that, that we got them a new customer? That's a good question. Uh, if you go to InStockTrades.com and you go to Contact Us, there is an email address, a customer service email address. I have no idea whether emailing them will ever get to anybody like in charge, but if you are so inclined – to let InStock Trades know that you use their service because of the Fire and Water podcast. I'm sure that if it does get to somebody, you know, higher up, it would help the show to let them know that, the, that the, you know, their advertising is working. So you can go to Contact Us, and it's customer.service at dcbservice.com. Write them an email and say, hey, I'm, I use your service now thanks to the Fire and Water podcast. That definitely gets to folks because that's how we got in touch with them. Is it? So, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. He, uh, he gives another good question. He said, I was listening to Doug say Super Friends show was what inspired him to buy his first comic book. That reminded me that the Adam West TV show inspired me to buy my first comic, a Brave and the Bold issue where the highbrow baron of bumper shoots and birds is looming over Gotham and firing on a startled black Batman and Black Canary. Uh, the manager of the old comic book store I used to work at would always say, it's not movies, toys, or TV, or any other media that sells comics. It's comics that sell comics. Shag, having done some marketing... And Rob, being a comic artist, how much of an effect do you think other media has on comic sales? Well, I'll tell you, uh, Jack, in addition to having some marketing background, I used to manage a comic book store. I did it for four years. And that other, I will agree wholeheartedly 
that that manager of the comic book store is pretty much right to some regard. I have found over the years, and I've, and I've talked with other comic shop people, that comic book movies and things like that don't typically attract new customers. What it does is it will increase sales for that character from people that are already buying comics. Like if you're, if, if you're buying Batman and you're already going to the comic shop and the new Iron Man movie comes out, you know what? You might pick up an Iron Man number one or you might pick up an Iron Man trade or an Iron Man special, but it's probably not going to bring somebody new into the comic book store. So I agree completely that it's comics that sell comics. Yeah, I mean, I I remember reading a couple of years ago that the Spider-Man movies, despite them making like what, like two billion dollars worldwide, have not budged sales of Spider-Man comics barely at all, which is astounding when you think about mm-hmm. it. You know, it's like the greatest mm-hmm. advertiser of product. And I have to think that I mean, this is a bigger topic that we really don't have time to get into right now. But you have to think that that has to do with the fact that comic stores are not accessible or in many ways friendly to the casual consumer because it seems just ridiculous that you're – I mean imagine what um, – you know, if, if somebody made an Ace Kilroy movie, knock on wood, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> turned it – you know, and it made a billion dollars worldwide, I think we'd sell some more Ace Kilroy comics. I think. But it has to – it must have to do with the fact that you just can't get them in stores where people are. I am a big advocate. I still I, – to this day – like, all right, I'm, I'm going for a whole tangent. But a bunch of years ago, Marvel – put out comics specifically sold at Target. They were uh, like double-sized, not in uh, dimensions, but in pages, like double-sized editions. They were all reprints, but they were specifically for Target. And it was, you know, all their their marquee characters. And I bought at least one copy of every book because I wanted Target to keep doing them. I wanted Marvel to keep doing them because it's like Hmm. that's where people are. That's where kids are. They're going to be. Yeah. In, they're going to be in Target. They're going to be in Walmart. They're going to be in these other. Pl- they're going to be in big places like that. They're not going to go and find a comic book store because those are hard to find. And so, you know, I think you would sell more Spider-Man comics if Spider-Man comics were put where people are. Um, Archie still manages to sell comics in supermarkets. I was going to say, know? think about when you're a kid. How many times you got a comic book in the grocery store? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and Archie still does it. Archie still manages to figure – I don't know why DC and Marvel can't do that, can't do what Archie does. But, you know, if you go to a supermarket, you can still find Archie double digest in the, in the little rack. So I don't – you know, I don't know what the – like the the, uh, the the you know, the marketing equation is there. But obviously it doesn't – DC and Marvel perceive it doesn't work for them the way it does for Archie. But it is possible. So, um, yeah, I agree that it really – that the movies and all this stuff just doesn't – it doesn't sell comics much at all, unfortunately. Mm. Um, uh, I just was going to share a bit here. Uh, I told you I love hearing you know, facts about yourselves. And, and when Jack's not in the institution, he, he wrote about what he enjoys. Uh, uh, as, to Skipper Shag, as to Skipper Shag's question about what we find our geek joy, the things I can always go back to and enjoy regardless are, number one, Marvel's Fantastic Four title, especially the Lee and Kirby stuff. Number two, anything with Abbott and Costello, especially when they go up against the Universal Classic Monsters. I agree with that. <laughs> Three, and, and this is uh, this is for you, Luke. Any Showa era Godzilla film, especially King Kong meets Godzilla, and finally number four, the '60s Batman show, especially when the Cape Crusader is confronted with the fiendish yet fashionable master of foul play. Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to Love be it. to be fair to Jack, the Penguin was one of the most uh, what's the word I'm looking like sort of evocative villains on that show. Burgess Meredith kicked that part in the ass. Oh, so, he, yeah, he totally owned it. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely. Did, so. 
to be if you're a Penguin fan, the '60s TV show is probably like your your total favorite thing because that was really him at his best. That was great. Uh, we heard from Oscar Olde. I can never say this right. You're gonna have to put a phonetic in there every time, Oscar. It's the only way that's really gonna happen. Anyway, um, I posted this great shot of, of the Hawkman Adam comic. It was a Joe Cuber cover, and it had this evil woman enslaving Adam and Hawkman. And he wrote in, "Wow, even young Paula Dean has no shame of showing the chip on her shoulder." <laughs> it was just day. It was so timely. He posted this like the day after that story broke, and it's just like boom. Oh man, he went there. So um, he also came back later after with the episode fifty nine geek talk. He said, "I'm right there with you guys in the event fatigue. Don't really care what happens on this altered reality, the new fifty two, because from the get go, it received the quote. Eventually, we'll be back to a previous like state." quote, end quote, written all over it. And hopefully it's that way because, in my opinion, many characters now are either forgotten or poorly executed quickly after being introduced. And then he asked about, after Firestorm Classic number two, he said, has Black Bison ever met Apache Chief or Manitou, for that matter? <laughs> and, like, I think he's kidding. I'm not sure. They, but... they, they don't all know each other. But, oh, jeez, I will say no. Um, Black Bison has never met Apache Chief, he's never met Manitou, and he's never met Super Chief either. So <laughs> Super Chief, forgot about him, Super Chief, yeah. Now, he's met Silver Deer, but that's because she was tied to their origin. Or so. Scalp Hunter, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Fire Hair? Okay. Um, he also commented on Google+. Plus. Doesn't really, uh, here you go, Rob, this is for you. What would it take for Pelletier to break into Rob's favorite team of creators, a.k.a. the boys? Guess another three or four astonishing two-page spread collaborations might do it. Come on, yield! <laughs> so. I, hmm. <laughs> it's a bait. It, it, yeah, you're baited there. You don't have to answer that. That's okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Heard from Siskoid. From Siskoid's blog. Zut Elors! <laughs> Do you want to do the French thing? I was going to skip it. No, no, that's all right. He schooled us on French because we make fun of him because everything – I don't know if you ever read his blog. Every entry ends with A, <laughs> and uh, he talks about Canadian bacon all the time. It's crazy, and none of what I just said was true. But anyway, um, on the Hawkman one, he said, as for the Fire, Water, and Air podcast, I loved it. It's great to hear what a show would sound like with a professional on board. Ouch. Man! He's talking about Luke Jack and Eddie. That's really not cool. But anyway, bastard. Um, and then he started kind of comparing, you know, uh, the different people's fans of like, you know, okay, you know, Hawkman fans have had it rough. Aquaman fans have had it rough. Firestorm fans have had it rough. And he sort of came back with, actually, he thinks the Legion fans have had it worse than those guys. And I, I may have to agree with him because, like, you know, when we get an Aquaman reboot, they change a little bit there. We get a Hawkman reboot, they change a fair amount. Firestorm, the Legion. Dude, they wipe out characters, completely change them. It's not just one character that gets screwed with. It's like 30, 40, 50. So, um, I, I will say this. Any time I had an inkling of maybe like getting into the Legion, I would be dissuaded by the fact that I could not figure out what the hell book to read or what version of Legion they were doing. Yeah. So that was definitely something that dissuaded me from ever starting. I would be like, wait, what is this? L dot E dot what? Like, you know what I mean? I just could <laughs> not. It was like with Hawkman. Hawkman I followed, and then I gave up. At Legion, I just – every time I would be like, oh, what's going – oh, I don't know. All right, forget it. Well, around Infinite Crisis, they weren't helping themselves with Legion of Three Worlds. Uh, just – oh, anyway. And on another note, I would argue that it's probably faster to simply list the fans of certain characters that have not had it rough, which is basically Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, and X-Men. Everyone else oh. has had it rough. Ooh, see, you're going to get argued with a little bit later on about Superman. And uh, Anyway, but I'll back you up, believe it or not. 
Uh, he talked about when we covered Firestorm Classic number one. He said, great cast, guys. Yep, the retro Fire Fury Firestorm feature is the awesome. The nerd billy, bully being a Peter slash Flash inversion is exactly what I was thinking just before you said it. He's talking about uh, Cliff Carmichael. His mutton chops didn't bother me any more than any other comic character's odd hair that's there just so you can tell the characters apart, like the Osbournes, whatever that is. So... <laughs> And uh, Rob read us Little Russell Burbage's letter from uh, the at JLA issues we yeah, covered. Yeah, JLA 192, yeah. And Cisco, this is, there's a cute banter that goes back and forth here. Cisco says, man, the Russell Burbage thing makes me glad the few embarrassing letters I got published weren't in any comics potentially covered by Fire and Water. And then Russell came back with, yes, yeah, Siskoi, that is probably my least favorite letter about my least favorite comic. Ha ha. Me singing the praises of Don Heck? Lord have mercy. I think they edited me to make me sound nicer than I was. On the other hand, the issue in question was not as bad as some of the other stuff. <laughs> and Cisco, Cisco's response is the best. He goes, at least you're not praising Venom. Hashtag <laughs> secret shame. You know, I'm going to do you one better. I got my letter printed in an issue of Rolling Stone saying that Batman Returns was better, a better film than the first Batman film. So. Holy crap! <laughs> you just straight up lied! I am deeply ashamed of that. <laughs> I am deeply, deeply ashamed. In fact, I generally have kept every magazine, or at least a page, that I got like a letter printed or an article or something, but that one I threw out. Right, we should burn it, yeah. I'm just absolutely. so ashamed of that. So we all have that. We all have that stuff in our past. I, yep. it's, it's, you know, what are you going to do? You get excited about stuff. Uh, <laughs> uh, he sent us. Uh, who, who are we talking about? I'm lo- lo- oh, Kyle Benning. I'm sorry, Kyle Benning, one of our newer fans. He sent a comment about the Pirate Records. He said, "Yay, more Pirate Records! Two great stories. I love the Conan. That was a great one. It's too bad they couldn't have gotten the cast of the '66 Batman TV series to do the voices of the Batman story." That would have been really neat uh, if, if they could have done that. I'm, I'm sure Adam West would have done it. He would have needed the work at the time. Um, well, I'm at the time, I'm saying. Back then, he was like doing every available Batman thing they threw yeah. at him. Um, he said he'd be up for a Power Records episode every month. I don't know if we can do that, but we'll, we'd like to, we'd certainly like to, to, to do more of them. Um, nice. Yes? He, uh, he leapt to the defense of Gene Ha on Justice League number 20. And, uh, you know, he makes some good points there. I, I, and, I don't. I don't. I didn't say. To, I, I just don't. I just don't like it. It's. It, it, there's no. There's no quality I can point to and say it. It is of poor quality. I just don't like it. It's like Pink Floyd. I, I yeah. never got Pink Floyd. I've never liked Pink Floyd. Obviously, there's something about Pink Floyd that's good because they've been around for like 40 years and they've been massively popular all that time. But it's just something about it I just don't get. Well, the point he was trying to make is Gene Ha keeps getting these gigs at super short notice, so he doesn't get a chance to probably do his best work as well, he's a fill-in. He know that? Well, here, I'll just read what he wrote. While I agree that Just League Number 20 has some less than consistent art from Gene Ha, I don't think it's indicative of his talent or his style of per, to, uh, per se. I think Gene gets a raw deal, as Rob mentioned. He seems to be the go-to guy in a pinch to fill in on Justice League, unfortunately for Gene. I think those are the last-minute jobs that are thrown his way on a very short deadline. I don't think it's a, a coincidence that either that DC announced the week before Just League Number 20 came out that they'd have a fill-in team that Gene Ha announced that his next day he's taking a year off. I think he's tired of not being used consistently by DC unless they have a last-minute, super-tight deadline that they throw his way. So, uh, maybe, that, maybe so. That can happen. I mean, that's that's partly what ruined um, – not ruined, but it, it hurt Al Milgram's career. Uh, mm. Because Al Milgram, when he went over to Marvel, became the fill-in guy, and his work, you know, suffered. I have to I, – I think suffered. Um, and, and he talked about it in interviews later on that his reputation sort of got tarnished as the guy that could bang a book out 
in a week. And it's like, well, if you t- unfortunately, when you teach your clients that you can do the work in a week, that's all you ever get it to do with them. I've, I've yeah. learned that firsthand. I'm sure everyone has to a certain extent. You know, if you bust your ass to get work done in a super quick time, then the, the next time, that's all they give you. So, Boy, I understand that. Yeah, can be, so. that could be the snake eating the tail thing. Yep. Well, he, he also shared with us some of his personal favorites here. He says, I've been loving IDW, Dark Horse, and Valiant stuff I'm reading. Brian Wood's Conan is awesome, and it's my favorite series I'm reading. Glad you picked it up and have enjoyed it. I highly recommend looking into Brian Wood's series, The Massive, as well, from Dark Horse. This is a great environmental book. I'd also check out Brian Wood's Star Wars series as well. Pretty much Brian Wood is the man. Uh, I think Brian actually gave him a nickel for every time he used his name. But <laughs> anyway. And yes, Kurt Busick's run on Conan was pretty awesome as well. I highly recommend picking up the... Quote, the Frost Giant's Daughter, end quote, trade paperback, which is the first arc of Busick's run with absolutely gorgeous art by Carrie Nord. Yeah, Carrie Nord's really good. Really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Uh, he gave us some ideas for episode 75 and episode 100, doing more team-ups. <laughs> so, all right, here's where we are gonna where we get the argument about Superman. All right, uh, just have a slight disagreement with Rob on Superman staying the same through the years. He says heroes like Aquaman, Firestorm, and Hawkman have had, have had consistent I'm sorry, constant reinvention over the years while Superman and Batman have it, and I disagree. Just look at the the decade of 2002 to 2011. I think Superman literally had five different origin origin stories told. You want to talk about reinvention, there it is. It was a decade of constant defining and retconning this Man of Steel's origins, all in an attempt to erode or eliminate elements of Burns' post-crisis redefining the character, which is, in my opinion, the best take on the character, and Michael Bailey agrees. Okay, here's Shag now. I agree, Kyle. I think the post-crisis burn incarnation of Superman and, and Ford is the best version of Superman. And I would say Superman has been reinvented twice. Uh, Byrne reinvented him, and I'd say he got reinvented again for the new 52. Other than that, all the stuff, all the five changes through 2002 to 2011, I know you Superman fans really get your panties in a wad about it. And man, I just really pissed off Michael Bailey for saying that. Ironically, um, that Superman does not have panties anymore. That's true. Um, but guys, I'm sorry. Uh, your character, his origin was unknown, and it was in flux, and you didn't know whether he was a vegetarian or not. But he was still the same dude at the end of the day. He really Superman didn't change dramatically, whereas Firestorm and Aquaman and Hawkman, they're completely different dudes. I mean, they have yeah. com- they got completely revamped. Whereas Superman, I would consider those tweakings. So, and they're important and critical because he's an important character. But I still stand by what we said, where I would say um, it wasn't as dramatic a change. And now all the Superman podcast haters, I mean, are going to start sending hate mail to me. So <laughs> I accept that. That's fine. Just know I love all y'all, and I will read Burn Superman till the day I die. I love it. Wow. Uh, <laughs> we got an email uh, on episode 55 from Sean Corey. Uh, he just starts out immediately hitting the ground running. And now you have trashed Robotech on the show. Rob, exclamation points. I don't know what. <laughs> so, uh, you are slowly working your way through all things awesome and good. For shame, for shame. After spending six hours in lockup for attempted arson with a big greasy guy named George, you kept trying to get me to hug him and squeeze him and call him by his name. Combined with your continual hating of all my childhood favorites, I'm starting to think this show is bad for me. But I'll probably keep listening because things are bad. Things that are bad for you are good, right? Well, off to smoke a pack of cigarettes and drink some tequila wine while chumping down on a few KFC double downs. If I don't comment on the next episode, it's because I am dead. Another good episode. Keep it up. I'll have a heart attack soon enough. Oh, my gosh. Now, now Sean Corey uh, runs a blog about uh, Captain uh, Carrot. 
Carrot, why? Blank. Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew. So when we talked about Hawkman, he wrote back. Uh, obviously, he didn't die from his KFC double downs, by the way. But he wrote, at least your characters have had multiple books to be canceled. And your characters, once canned, inevitably show up again in another book. I had one cancellation, three guest appearances in Teen Titans, and two miniseries, and that's it. Oh, and a better left forgotten cameo in Final Crisis. I want your pity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, nah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was going to jump back. Go ahead. You have he had, he had a, on the, the episode, episode 56 about the Hawkman series cancellations, he mentions, case in point, in the 90s, those wankers at Wizard, which is, I just wanted to get that in, uh, magazine always took pot shots at Aquaman, which is absolutely true. I couldn't even read Wizard because, well, for multiple reasons, but that was one of them. His only superpower is talking to fish, et cetera, et cetera. And unless you were Todd McFarlane or any of the Image guys or a Spider-Man or X-Men fan and, quite frankly, a Marvel fan, then your opinion didn't count. DC characters had it rough. Sadly, most of the comic community believe what they were printing, hence the reason why I believe that Aquaman, and Hawkman in this case, to this day are considered lame by comics fandom. That is, they really, Wizard repeatedly went after those, like, some of, like, the, the quote-unquote lesser DC characters, and, and I have to think that that, uh, that might have been a big part of it. Uh, just a quick point of clarification for folks at home. Um, that, actually, comment should be attributed to Keith Samra. Oh, whoops. The stuff about Wizard, that was Keith Samra. Oh, whoops. Okay. Did I read so, the wrong I, thing? Uh, you jumped from Sean Corey to Keith Samra, but that's okay. I oh, mean, I just, I just want to make sure the right – because I agree totally with what was there. So I just want to make sure Keith got the credit All for right, it. Sorry that's about that, Keith. Yep. Um, I am going to jump backwards a bit and go back to ah, – crap, I lost my place. Here we go. Um, Keith, Kyle Benning, one last thing from Kyle Benning. Uh, he says here – uh, two things, the RX is two. He says, recapping Fury of Firestorm, the nuclear man number two, and mentioning Stormfire made something occur to me for the first time. Has Drake Conway ever stated how he came up with or decided on the name Firestorm? Tell you what there, buddy. Kyle, go back and listen to episode 19 of the Fire and Water podcast, and you will hear the Jerry Conway in two, like two-hour interview. Uh, it, I, sadly... That single episode of the Fire and Water podcast, Fire and Water podcast number 19, is the lowest downloaded episode of our entire <laughs> run. I think that's because I, I put the same interview up on my site years ago, and I think a lot of people is like, oh, I've already heard it. I don't need to download it, which is why we didn't get them any hits. But, dude, listen to the Jerry Conway interview. Uh, I'll give you a little hint. 17 minutes in, he answers your question. Then, this is the most important thing I had to get to. Doreen Day deserves much more flack than what Shag gives her. She might possibly be the all-time worst and most hateable character in comics. I would love to see if a bunch of multiplexes dupes rip her apart limb by limb. Oh that would be the best issue ever. She's a terrible, terrible girlfriend and an even worse person. <laughs> wow. Holy jeez. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> so, uh, we're back on Keith Samra now. Um, yes, uh, he... Uh, he asked in the Firestorm fan comment, the Red to No Jail issues, I'm a bit late to the party this time around. I've only just finished listening to the podcast. Great episode, guys. Really enjoyed this one. Enjoyed having Doug, Doug uh, Zawisha, I think I'm saying that right now, uh, as the special guest this week. Always nice to hear from other fans, podcasters. Unlike Shag, I love these issues, and I haven't read them yet. Rob and Doug have an affectionate enthusiasm for them, and I'm determined to check them down. In fact, I lead to like to read Conway's entire run. Hmm. And he also said, uh, later on when we did our Geek Talk episode, he said, as much as I love Aquaman and Firestorm, I really enjoyed the Geek Talk. You guys should do more, do it more often. And he said, for his comic joy, his personal comic joy, he said, it's common knowledge that I'm a big Superman guy. Well, okay, I just pissed him off, probably. <laughs> uh, same as Michael Bailey, and the same as Mike, I love the post-crisis era of Superman. 
However, I'm also immensely enjoy, I also immensely enjoy the 70s era of Batman. The Neil Adams, Denny O'Neill, Marshall Rogers, Steve Englehart stuff is pure gold. The 80s Larry Hama G.I. Joe stuff is great. And lastly, the Byrne Claremont X-Men run. On the wish list is James Robinson's Starman, 70s Spider-Man, Satellite Era Justice League, Atari Force, and of course, Firestorm. Still very hard to find here in New Zealand. Man, that list was full of wind. Um, I, almost everything on that list I'm familiar with and absolutely love. Good call, man. Uh, we heard from Ange on the Hawkman cancellation one, and Ange is looking for a little pity, too. Uh, Ange runs a, a Supergirl blog, and he, he, he sat here. I like what he did. He talked about his cancellations as well, because, you know, we talked about Hawkman's cancellations, Firestorm's cancellations, Hawkman's cancellations. So he says, let's see. Uh, after being a backup feature in Action Comics forever, here are the solo books that have been axed. She was in Adventure Comics for uh, about, what is that, uh, 40 issues, got killed. Supergirl, she had 10 issues in 1972, got killed. During New Adventures of Supergirl, went 23 issues, got killed. Then she literally was killed in Crisis. Then Supergirl Volume 3 went four issues. So it was, that was actually a miniseries. Then the next volume went, in 1996, went 80 issues. Well, technically, I guess you could say it went one million issues because there was an issue in one million. But anyway, volume five went 67 issues and then volume six went 21 issues. So, yes, Ange has suffered the same uh, disappointment and repeated cancellations that we've had to suffer through as well. Uh, he also shows some love for Alan Brenner in the uh, comment regarding episode number 55 where he says, I also love Alan Brenner's stuff. The Detective Comics number 500 story is great. But, of course, Should Old Acquaintance Be Forgot is a perfect and cherished by Supergirl fans. That's the one from the uh, DZ holiday special where he basically brought Supergirl uh, mm. back to life after the crisis against the direct orders of DC editorial. Uh, <laughs> I have heard that Mark Wade got in trouble from DC by letting that story slow through in his role as editor. I understand Rob's feelings when talking to Brenner, one of my comic heroes, and I wonder what the, the response this will get is Howard Chaykin. Black Kiss! A couple of years ago at the Boston Comic-Con, he was sitting alone at his table, and I sat down to talk to him for about 20 minutes straight about comics and his stuff. It was spectacular. Lastly, I will echo the love of Woods Conan. Christmas stories with an ongoing theme exploring the Conan-Billet-doomed relationship. The first arc with art by Becky Cloonan is near-perfect comic storytelling. Awesome. Uh, also, on the Hawkman cancellation one, he said, After reading these comics, I realized that all of our characters have died, some multiple times. This would be a great future show, reviewing their deaths and eventual resurrections and how it was handled. Still reeling from crisis number seven. And then there's this huge thread of people talking about how much they love the Beowulf comic. That's pretty cool. I've never read it, but uh, pretty interesting. And then he came to your defense um, and sent us a very nice message about uh, how he has also been attacked for his commentary on Supergirl. I mean, basically, everything and anything you can imagine, he's been attacked on. Like, you know, he says, I don't like Supergirl wearing something the size of a napkin as a, as a skirt. I don't like I don't like endless upskirt shots. He's, he's declared old and out of touch. He doesn't like the bank-robbing Superboy. He's old and out of touch. He doesn't like Superman killing Zod in the Man of Steel movie. Spoiler, thanks. He goes, uh, he's uh, old and out of touch. I don't like Superman creepily using his powers to read Lois's private texts. I'm old and out of touch. So he goes on and on. He just says, you know... It's as if he shouldn't put his own opinion, opinion on his blog. He said it's incredible. So he reiterated what Rob said. He said, don't let the naysayers get you down. And the world is a better place because of blogs like The Shrine. Uh, thank you very much, Andrew. I should mention this now before I forget it. Um, I got a – well, the, I mean, uh, I, we got a huge response for the uh, episode regarding the nostalgia thing. And I personally got some emails from 
friends slash Fire and Water listeners, some of which uh, were sent to me privately and not necessarily meant to be used um, in, in, in a public forum, so I'm not going to mention them, but they were uh, very, very uh, encouraging, and I really do appreciate it. And I don't think um, – maybe I, was, I sounded worse off than I was feeling at the time or maybe whatever, but um, you know, the shrine is not going to go away. I'm not going to do anything drastic. It, it, it might have been um, – when we recorded the episode, that might have been just the absolute zenith of uh, the, the, the anger I was feeling about that whole topic. But I really do appreciate all the comments everybody wrote, and especially the ones said that were sent to me in private, some of which were, were quite thorough and, uh, and um, very, very personal. And I, uh, I appreciate it, and you guys know who you are. Did you get slash fiction? <laughs> I'm, I'm not at liberty to say. Uh, no, Rob, I don't think... Um, Fifty Shades of Orange and Green. Oh, good. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that was really good. Um, you probably wrote that a long time ago. I did. But, that just um, popped into my head. I don't think it's that you were so down. It, I just think so many people were so outraged that somebody would treat you. Yeah, that it way. struck a chord. So yeah, it clearly. Yeah. And I thought, and I thought it would because so many, of our, so much of our audience are bloggers themselves. You know, I thought it really would well, reverberate with them. I don't. I don't think we have as many bloggers as you think. I, they're more vocal, um, certainly because. But I think that there's also a lot of folks out there that just genuinely like the shrine. You know, mm-hmm. so. I hope so. Um, he also chimed in here, as every good uh, reader should. Ange chimed in and said, "I always thought more of a. I was more. Uh, this is about Firestorm. That's where I'm going with that. But anyway, Firestorm Classics. Is, I was always more of a Doreen guy. Um, I'm sorry. I'll get this right eventually. I was always more of a Lorraine guy, which is Firehawk, over Doreen Day. And hearing you, you review how Doreen treats Ronnie is like picking a scab. I thought it was healed, but I feel the pain all over. I also hoped Firestorm and Power Girl would become an item. I do believe they used to flirt in the old JLA-JSA crossovers. They most certainly yes, did. They in did. fact, yes. I got this great post out there called um, something like Power Girl and Firestorm kissing in a tree. You can look it up on Firestorm <laughs> Fan. And it's uh, literally every single panel where they're flirting. So <laughs> That's good stuff. We got a string of stuff from our good buddy Luke Giaconetti, who was so kind enough to guest appear on a recent show. Let me tell you, I really enjoyed having Luke on the show. He is a blast. Uh, we've been buzzed with him for a long time. So glad to actually have him formally on the show. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, he was particularly supportive of the Power Records episode. He said the Conan story was fantastic. I loved all the sound effects and the atmospheric sound design. I loved the little worm's weaselly voice. And the Batman story, Riddler sounds about 20 shades of bat spit crazy. He's like Frank Gordon, stole the be- Frank Gorshin stole the best Riddler ever on meth. Thanks for these. I don't think I ever had any Power Records per se. I think there was a Power Record or similar, which came out with the super, super Power Steppenwolf, which my brother had when we were kids, though. I never heard that. I want to get that. I never heard of that. Uh, he he gave us a comment. We had talked about Green Team, and we had said some some disparaging comments about should you know is Green Team really worthy of replacing Firestorm and stuff like that. But he he really came back and made us think here. He said, "Did you guys actually read Green Team number one? You should try it because it's once again that elusive quote something different, which everyone constantly clamors for but never buys. After all, it's not another freaking Batman comic. And man, you know what? You're right. Uh, I feel terrible about the things I said about Green Team, having not read it." And you're sorry. It's exactly what we need. That's not a Batman comic. So I I rescind any bad things I said. Still not buying it, but uh, <laughs> I, but I'm thrilled that it's out there, and I think anybody should support it that wants to. And then there's a huge discussion about it. I mean, a massive discussion. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, I think if if the uh, I think Green Team would be the best selling DC comic if it, if this fan if all this uh, 
letters about it were representational of the sales. <laughs> they, they had a good discussion here about uh, DC needs an anthology book, and then a couple people pointed out, like, DC Presents was an anthology book recently, but they said part of the problem with those books, like DC Presents, is that they're built on a six-issue story model. That's not yep. a showcase. It's a yep. commitment. Yep. It should make the model of first-issue special, throwing new stuff and old characters in a one-and-done series, see if anything sticks. Now, DC did that for a little while, but it was a little more edgier stuff. Like, I think Kid Eternity got one. I want to say it was Kid Eternity. Like, they did a couple, like, single-shot stories. Um, they only did, like, two or three of them. And they would like, like, be, like, one every couple months. And uh, I, I, I don't know what ever happened with this. I guess they didn't take or they didn't think it was a format worth pursuing. The part of the problem with anthologies is, editorially, they are about a thousand times more work. That's the problem. Because mm. you're dealing with five, five writers, five artists... And an editor has to coordinate all that, and you have to have backup material in case somebody misses a segment. As far as I understand, anthologies are a real backbreaking labor, and they don't sell any better, and sometimes they sell worse. So it's, you know, like five times the effort for zero times the reward. So that's why I think they tend to be a little shy of, of anthologies. Although, you could argue, you know, they used to put them out in the 70s, which, you know, before email and cell phones, you think would have been a lot harder. And they did them back then, so... It's true. Um, people were better back then. Um, <laughs> just in general. Uh, he had a comment from uh, from episode 57, uh, which is the Aquaman Firestorm classic number one. I really enjoyed this episode, hearing about the classic Firestorm comic made for a great juxtaposition with the modern Aquaman tale. I think this new format, format will be a lot of fun going forward. As far as shaving in high school, <laughs> I went to a Catholic high school, so all boys had to be clean shaven, which as an Italian-American was an ongoing issue for me. <laughs> to extend the point, my brother and I went to a Catholic parochial school for pre-K through eighth grade, St. Lawrence O'Toole School. The, school. the school handbook added an additional rule when my brother made it to seventh grade that all boys had to be clean-shaven because he was sprouting stubble. Looking forward to more Cliff Clavin next episode. Uh, I kept saying Cliff Clavin instead of Cliff Carmichael. I, well, I think, he was also, I think he was also enjoying that I used Cliff Clavin as the bumper at the end of the episode. Oh, that's right. You did, didn't you? That's right. <laughs> Then we heard from our buddy Martin Stein Returns, uh, also Martin Stein's R.I.P., and actually Robert Gross. So um, he dug the Power Records episode, and he says he, uh, as far as Firestorm, he was really supporting us going into covering Firestorm. And I think, uh, at this point, Rob, I think we need to take a little break. Yes, this is the perfect time. Uh, Martin uh, Stein Returns, a.k.a. Robert Gross, has put together a song called Martin Stein, the Sexual Intellectual. And uh, without further ado, folks, words of music by Robert uh, Martin Stein Returns Gross. There we go. Take it away. I'm Martin. Martin Stein. I'm the sexual intellectual floating mind. I'm the single greatest fused non-corporeal hero. All the rest in the DCU are zero. Mikhail Arkadin was just a big old bore. When they brought him aboard, the sales went through the floor. I'd be like, Killer Frost, get out, you a hag. Hey, I'm the guy who taught Shag how to shag. I'm Martin. Martin Stein. I'm the sexual intellectual floating mind. I'm there whenever Ronnie or Jason need me. Hey, pimpin' superhero advice isn't easy. 
I dumped Clarissa Clemens and her big old lies. Hey, she can go suck on my Nobel Prize. I stopped Danton Black and his plans from advancing. And tell Tom Zoller, hey, I invented breakdancing. Bright as day, black as night. Hey, those weren't so hard on me. It shows even Darkseid doesn't want a part of me. I'm there whatever the crisis or the weather. And even if I die, I get better. And now a few laborious words from Professor Martin Stein. I try to help out people and to keep the world from seeing harm by whispering advice into whoever now is firestorm. It is inconvenient to jump into battle sight unseen, especially at those times when I am making whoopee with my team. I even got to be in charge when firestorm was eight feet tall, but since I was amnesic, I do not remember it at all. I'm not saying I got dissed by who's who, but it took them 30 years to admit I'm a Jew. What kind? Of course, reform. Why? Cause it rhymes with firestorm. Ronnie versus Jason, I get that from the haters. It's like asking which doctor was the best, Tom Baker. It's just not my style to be sentimental. I'm more the stoic type, like a cosmic elemental who sometimes likes to fuse with a couple of buddies and has a job at the Institute for Metahuman Studies. Kids point at me and say I want to be like Batman. And don't mess with me, I'm smarter than Batman. I'm Martin. Martin Stein, I'm the sexual intellectual floating mind. I drive all the lady heroes crazy. Hey, come here, Mara, baby. Hi, this is West Anthony, co-host of the Autorcast, and you're listening to the Fire and Water Podcast. I wonder if they're using the water to put out the fire. And we're back. Thank you, Robert, for that. Uh, I will go ahead and post those lyrics on Firestorm Fan uh, sometime, hopefully, either in conjunction with this episode or within the next week. That is an absolute hoot. Uh, I was was trying to figure out when I first heard it what I could compare it to, and I couldn't come up with anything, really. And then I thought, it sounds a little reminiscent. I don't know if you watch Community, but it's – a bit reminiscent of the songs that uh, Troy and Abbott come up with on their little talk show. The Troy and Abbott in the morning. It's got that kind of sound to it. So it, it would fit quite well in, in, in community. So that, that's a compliment, Robert. And who is a professional musician, by the way. So. Oh, is, okay. Excellent. Yes. Um, he gave us a comment on Hawkman and uh, the Hawkman cancellation episode. Okay, so here we go. <clears throat> I'm excited about this one. You know what we need? We need a hating on Doreen Day. Or a hating on Doreen Day Day. <laughs> Hell, let's make a week of it. We can highlight one of her ignominious appearances each day. Number one, the time when she turned Ronnie into the government, unlike Lorraine who stood by Ronnie. Number two, the time when she ran away from Ronnie, convinced he was going to kill her. Paranoid much? Number three, the time she found out Ronnie was Firestorm and she just focused on how hurt and wrong she was instead of asking Ronnie's actual motivations for keeping his identity a secret from her. She also omits to acknowledge that he saves Cliff Mark Carmichael's life in the same issue, although that did eventually bite him in the ass. Number four, the many times when she said, if you fight Cliff Carmichael, I'm leaving you, failing to notice how thoroughly Cliff Carmichael really, really needed a beating at Ronnie's hands. As mentioned, that happened more than once. Number five, her failure to say, Ronnie, you don't need to join a bunch of radical eco, radical eco terrorists to impress me. I like you just you are, just the way you are, all the way back in issue number one, nineteen seventy eight. <laughs> just to pull, oh. pull back the curtain a little bit, uh, in the fifty pages of feedback here, that is the only email we got that Shag read in its entirety. So <laughs> if you want to get read on the air in your entirety, just just go after Doreen Day. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I don't mean to, sh- I don't mean to, to criticize Shag. If people start sending me, you know, uh, hate Merc mail, I might read all that, you know? So you never know. Nobody's been sending that yet. There's a good thing about Merc in here, though, so. Um, all right, real quick. Uh, he talks about how we, we keep saying Jurgen's run was purely nostalgic on Firestorm. And he says he wants to take issue with that. He says that this is not the Ronnie that he knows. He says, I think the resemblances to Conway's run are superficial at best. Jurgen's take on the book really is the sort of thing on its own. It's more of a pastiche of the Conway run along with the new 52 run that precedes it. If anything, the nostalgia run was probably Stuart Moore's when Jason was fused with Martin, sometimes Lorraine. And the key issue here is teen insecurity. Uh, with, the St- with the Stuart Moore run, we had Jason, an insecure teenager, fusing with an elder mentor, either Martin or Lorraine. With this run, I honestly don't even recognize Ronnie. Sure, he's a jock who likes to have fun, but he's so headstrong, he's so sure of himself. The Ronnie I know and love was always putting himself down as a dumb jock. He was never sure of himself with girls. I don't even think the old Ronnie would even consider cheating on a test. Um, so, I mean, it, it goes on to just say... Um, because the, the Jurgens Ronnie is, is different. Not that that's a criticism. I think it's fine for Jurgens to take the character where he wants to, but it's very much not the Ronnie I know and love. Therefore, I don't think it's fair for all the all to characterize nostalgia as the primary attraction of the Jurgens book. So, um, and he points out that it was interesting that in Stuart Moore's run, Jason was a Ronnie surrogate, but with Jurgens, Jason is a Martin surrogate. So it just shows that Jason's a very flexible character. So, all right. And then, uh, sorry, he, he does. He corrects me on another one here. Corrects me on something I talked about: uh, Jefferson and Jackson, Ronnie's friend, and how he changes names back and forth. And I said the writers didn't know what they were doing. He actually thinks the guy's name is Jefferson Jackson, so that's why he gets referred to both back and forth. And that's very interesting. I'll look that up and see if that is correct. So, good right. point. Uh, and well, we couldn't avoid it anymore. We have comments from Diablo Frank. Uh, he starts off with the Power Records comment, not a fan of the Power Records podcast, as evidenced by requiring a month and a half to bother listening to comment. This time, worst Conan voice ever. The <sighs> actor sounds like he's in a low-rent 50s, 60s swords and sandals epic instead of the low-rent 70s, 80s sword and sorcery epic I expect from Conan. You know, Frank, your whole Captain Contrary thing, it's just getting old. Uh, it's just... <laughs> uh, but it's just um, let's see, if I saw a banner regarding the Batman thing... He says, if I saw a banner that read, what makes a car go, I'd assume it's an Exxon ad, not a riddle. But then I'm not from Gotham City. Playing the Riddler as a quasi-joker with that shrill voice did not improve my disposition towards this endeavor. I did enjoy Batman's surprisingly morbid line, we die a little earlier. Rob, you found both of these stories creepy? What a little wuss. No wonder you gravitated towards Porpoise Man. Oh my god. I love you too, uh, so, uh, was there any more? Okay, yeah. Uh, well, he continues then, on attacking my uh, my manliness in the uh, Hawkman cancellation episode where he says, uh, point one, there was an audible spike in testosterone in this episode. Good voice for a Hawkman phone representative. Thanks, Frank. Now, I have to say that this little son of a bitch uh, sent me on a merry chase, I have to tell you folks, with his comments about the Hawkman episode. He sprinkled them all, what do we got, 19 comments across all three of our blogs in complete random order. So I'd have to, I'd get a piece from the Firestorm fan site, a piece from the Being Carter Hall site, which is Luke Jacanetti's, a piece from the Aquaman Shrine, and I had to sort of piece it together like a jigsaw puzzle that's all one color. It's like, you bastard. <laughs> he yeah. did it totally to screw with me. I, I, I picture Frank's house covered, like, on the walls, or there's, like, a dartboard. There's, like, a, it's uh, all these little uh, post-it notes with, uh, you know, stuck under the walls with push, uh, push pins and, like, strings connecting them all. And it's all an imp- intricate tapestry that makes sense only to Frank. 
it's the question. It's a, the, it's the questions corkboard. Yeah. Um, we, we, we mentioned co-hosts when uh, Luke was on the show. We said, yeah, I don't think we've had many before. We totally failed to mention Michael Bailey and Chad Bokelman. And, uh, and Frank calls us on the carpet for that. And he, he says they can go run to the Crying in the Corner podcast. So sorry about that, guys. That was not an intentional slight. Uh, he says, I was inspired by Ange to make another crack about how Martian Manhunter has only ever been canceled once, but the character has truthfully had more chances than that. To riff on Kyle Benning's suggestion, I'd make more, it would make more sense to appear with Shag on episode 100 since the sleuth from outer space's original run as a backup in Detective Comics lasted from 225 to 326. The point he's making there is Firestorm ran for 100 issues, Martian Manhunter ran for 100 issues, so having Frank on the 100 episode would kind of make sense. Uh, but it is how he goes on to say, however, the Alien Atlas production team simply moved over to House of Mystery for another 31 issues before the strip ended due to mediocre sales. So they had 156, oh, they had 156,000 sales versus Aquaman's 184,000 sales. So, and also in house politics and Joey Orlando's revamp of the title to an East style horror anthology is what ended that run. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll, uh, maybe we'll. Figure out, you know, the 75th issue episode and the 100th episode could be something fun. We might have to figure something out. It'll be here he, soon enough. I know. He says the Power Records, I'm sorry, not Power Records, the Power Company, which was a series by uh, Busick and Grumman, he says Power Company needs its own devoted episode of the podcast. It was significant to Firestorm, but so widely overlooked that even Matchheads would be forgiven for missing his stint on the team. Make it a theme episode with Rob covering Aquaman's year in Justice League Europe. Oh, um, God. Well, it's it's an interesting idea because those are two little eras that don't get paid much attention yeah, to. And Aquaman, yeah. I mean, Aquaman did play a role in Justice League Europe. He did. And Firestorm played a role in Power Com- Power uh, Power Company. But I gotta tell you guys, he barely did anything in Power Company. He like showed up and was like, "Dun da da, Firestorm's here," and really did nothing for like six issues, and then he left. So I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it someday. I mean, hell, you're you're asking me to read it. Tom Grummet drawn comic written by Kurt Music. Okay, sure. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, him and him and Luke went back and forth about being guest hosts on our show, and uh, he said if both of them, uh, this is Luke talking. He said if they both guested on Firewater, if Luke Jacanetti and Frank Dello Frank guest hosted, he said I think Shag and Rob would be reduced to cameos on their own podcasts. Uh, and he said, thanks for your feedback, Frank. I do appreciate it, and I am glad you approved of the manliness I brought to the show. I did record it bare-chested, after all. <laughs> I, think if, I think if Frank and Luke appeared on the show, that would be a backdoor pilot for them taking, on, taking over the show. Well, they've joked about it before. Uh, Frank came back and said, one of these weeks we should take over their podcast unannounced and discuss the adventure comic strip, the reveal of Andar Fell and Hawkworld in the last arc of the 90s Hawkman volume. I'll practice speaking with a steady indoor voice like Rob, and you mentioned everyone's boobies. Maybe no one will notice. Tonight we're secretly replacing the fine podcasting they normally serve with dark, rich, sparkling Luke Jacanetti. <laughs> Anyway, and then he talks about Hawkman for a while, and he said, I've still got some DC animated series magazines from that time that features some neat Hawkman stuff. And let me tell you, I think I know what he's talking about. I think it was, I want to say it was called a Batman and Superman magazine or something. It was magazine size, but it was, all the art was in DC animated universe style. And so that was like the first time we got to see like Aquaman and a bunch of characters in DC animated style. It was all by Mike Parabek. Yeah, and it was like, you know, in that Bruce Timm style and by Mike Parabek. And let me tell you, I still got all those issues somewhere. They were so awesome. Absolutely loved that stuff. Really good. Uh, then he sort of bitches and complains because he's exceptional at it um, about us using the term Firestorm Classic. He thinks it should be flashback. Yes. Um, because he thinks Firestorm has never been classic. 
He also likes the alliteration, and I say tough crap. Yeah. Um, they are classics. <laughs> if, if Power Pack can publish a Power Pack classic book, uh, Firestorm is too. Yeah. Now, he did come back and make a joke about uh, You remember X-Men classic? Oh, yeah, the, the half-reprint, half-new book. I like that book. Yeah. So he comes back and wrote, did John Bolton do backups for Firestorm Classic? <laughs> or was that after they went with the pure reprints? I prefer flashback of Firestorm than Nostalgic Man. <laughs> he, uh, he made a particularly disgusting comment about Red Tornado that I have to read. Um, he doesn't like Red Tornado at all. So he said, uh, I make a Red Tornado every time I flush when the roids are active. All right, all right, Watching all right. it spin down the drain is more entertaining and less of a butt hurt than any given appearance by old John Smith. Wow, I really should have read that part first and known not to let you read that on the air. Uh, we scared the hell out of uh, Brent Almond, known as Designer Daddy. He sent in a comment regarding the Hawkman series cancellation episode. So just for clarification, Aquaman hasn't been canceled, has it? <laughs> it's funny how twitchy Aquaman fans are that they didn't even bother to read the description of the episode. They just saw the title and they're like, <gasps> yeah, they knew what it meant. You know, it's like if you ran that on a Batman blog, no one would worry that Batman was been canceled. So. <laughs> uh, I do want to back up. We're not, we don't have time to read it, but if you guys go out and read the comments on um, the, uh, uh, I guess it's the Red Tornado issue. Wait, ah, wait, hold on. No, no, the the Geek Talk issue. Read the comments on episode. Geek Talk over uh, episode. Sorry, someone picked on me for that because I keep saying issues to that episode. Anyway, on the Geek Talk episode over on Aquaman Shrine, there's a great discussion about '90s comics. And about targeting demographics and stuff. And it goes back and forth between a number of people. And it goes across episode 60 as well in Firestorm Fan. Anyway, there's some really good discussion between him and Luke Giaconetti and some other folks about 90s comics. And you should really go read it. I, we don't have time to read either one because they're almost like um, manifestos. But uh, really good stuff. So we heard from Dale Russell. Dale Russell's been commenting quite a bit lately on Google+. He's, one, he's like one of four people still on Google+. Um, actually, all kidding aside, I don't know. If, well, you don't do anything on Google+. I've noticed Google+, is like really picking up and becoming more active. It's like I'm getting a lot of hits from it, and people are commenting. It's like, wow, okay. Hmm. So says, I love the look of Hawkman, but I get tired. I get a tired head every, whenever I try to understand his background. I'd like a good story collection with the character. What would you suggest? Best bang for the buck. I lean toward digital when possible. So Luke Giaconetti, Luke Giaconetti stepped up to the plate, and he said, honestly, I would recommend collections of volume four of Hawkman, the Johns Robinson Morales stuff, to start. Pretty much all of it's collected, and there's an omnibus too. Also, it has the bonus of Kendra as well. But if you like John, what Johns is doing in the Aquaman book, then you should like this stuff. And he said, also, I think you can't go wrong with the good old Showcase Presents Hawkman Volume 1. So, nice. And um, Dale, Dale took a different perspective on nostalgia. He said, I've been thinking about my favorite comics era, and I have to say, I like comics in all of them. Everyone talks about how the new 52 sucks, but when, there, but when was there a time when 80% of the titles did not appeal to readers? I was never into more than 20% of the comics. In the 80s, there was 1,000 titles, so there was more good stuff. The point he's trying to make is there's, every era has good stuff. And uh, he's a little more open to it than we are. So I thought that was nice. Uh, we got a bunch of comments. Again, we, we, we even even with devoting a whole episode to feedback, we don't have enough time to read everything we wanted to read. Uh, we did get some uh, more emails from guy. We had somebody named just signed his name Agam, A G A M. I don't know if that's a man or a woman. I'm probably gonna be a man. Uh, Dan, kind of, <laughs> safe, safe bet. Phil safe, safe, safe bet. Dan Jane's uh, Lucian uh, Lucian Desar. And of course, um, don't miss William Eastep. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I missed them, too. Um, we got stuff from Little Brother Verbage from Happy Harbor, Rhode Island. <laughs> it's great. Dig that, Daddy-o. Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he, 
He, he we we should read his emails, but he gets so much attention on the show. You know, um, the one thing I do want to mention, he did say in the Red Tornado episode. Also, something nobody's ever addressed: What did Firestorm tell the other JLAers when they woke up? When they asked him how he stopped a tornado tyrant, what the hell did he say? I uh, I uh, killed him. <laughs> That's always classic things in movies and, and stories where it's like you want to see like what happened right after that because you know it's like whoa wait a minute they have to deal with this thing that just happened but you never get to see that unfortunately there's there's a guy that commissions um artists to draw oh, right the five cover. minutes after thing right? yeah exactly yeah. those are great i love those now he did ask a question i wanted to address he said um that i do, i i refer to the free of firestorm series from 1982 as volume two because but that's wrong the first series was that this this was the first series actually called Fury of Firestorm. You're absolutely right. They've changed the title of the, of the comic so many times. The first volume was Firestorm the Nuclear Man. The next volume was Fury of Firestorm. Um, and then throughout that 100-issue run, they changed the name of the book like three or four times. Maybe it was just three times. Uh, so I sort of like ignore all the superlatives and things that go on there and just think of it as it's the first volume of Firestorm, the second volume of Firestorm, third volume of Firestorom, yeah, fourth volume of Firestorm. Yeah. So I just wanted to be... Yes, you're correct. Uh, it's not Fury Fires from Volume Two, but that is the way I uh, I tackle it. So. Yeah, it's just easier to keep track of it that way. Yep. Um, we got a, a comment from Sphinx Magoo regarding the Hawkman series cancellation episode. Having Luke on to discuss Hawkman and Hawk, Hawk Woman slash Girl was great, but I think you guys really neglected to mention the impact the Justice League animated series had on the popularity of the Hawkman family. That is true. That is something like after we recorded, I was like, "Wow, how did we never mention that?" Because that I know a huge I, I, thing. I had this highlighted to talk about, too. Yeah. Sometimes, and it's weird, when we record these shows, you know, it's like, uh, Shag will say something that I want to respond to, and I'll even make a mental note, and then I just don't do it. I don't know why. It's not like I'm not, like, like afraid to say anything. It's just, for some reason, my brain just, I think because we're rolling, and then we move on, and then I forget about it. Because, like, like, in last week's episode, Shag made this comment about, like, hockey, and he's like, and he goes, you're from the north, which, it's like, I'm from New Jersey. He made it sound like I was from Nova Scotia. You know, I'm like, good lord, we get summer here. Like, jeez. Oh, did you have your week of summer already? Yeah, see, again, you know, <laughs> look, you really want to get in a debate about which state is uh, more interesting to live in? Really? <laughs> you know? No, those of us in Florida with half a brain do not want to have a discussion there, about there the state you, we live in. There you go. Okay. I, so. I do live 13 miles from the uh, border of Georgia, and I do often think about maybe I should live over there. So, anyway. Uh, he, uh, he talks about Cliff uh, Carmichael being a bully. And he says, uh, when you guys mentioned this, my first thought is that he's like Mandark from Dexter's Laboratory. Now, anytime I read his dialogue, I'm going to hear Mandark's nasally voice in my head. Which, by the way, I totally approve of this, Sphinx. He says, the connection to Mandark's even stronger if you consider Cliff has a crush on Doreen Day, whose initials are DD. And Mandark has a crush on Dexter's sister, DD. Uh, would that mean that every time I read Professor Strange's dialogue, I would hear Dexter's voice? I used to hear Doc Brown's voice from Back to the Future movies for Stein. Oddly enough, I don't hear Doc Brown, personally. This is a shag. I, um... I hear the guy who played Professor Stein on the Super Friends cartoon. Yeah, me too. I, me too. I always do. So and then he goes on to talk about Black Bison and Super Chief. And no, I don't know the answer to your question. I don't know if Black Bison was intended to be a redo of Super Chief. I don't think he was. Um, and sort of like what Rob said later uh, earlier, <laughs> they don't all know each other. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, we got uh, more comments from. Again, we're going to just skip through these a little bit here. We got from uh, a lot of first timers too, which is great. We got an email from ML Post. Yep. Um, and he talked about that he's happy to see Aquaman is portrayed as a badass again. Uh, Roy Cleary, a.k.a. Charlemagne, 
All right, I got I to I gotta do this one real quick. Oh, okay. Uh, he says he's excited about us covering the 100-issue run. Basically, what he says oh, is yeah. hoping that will drive, he's hoping it will drive everybody to the comic book stores. They'll all buy tons of Firestorm books, and his back issues will go up in value, and he'll pay for his retirement. Now, here's the thing i got to share. This dude is friggin' nuts, all right, Roy Cleary. I get a message from him through Facebook a couple weeks ago. I'm out with my wife uh, enjoying dinner, and I get this text from him. Some of you may recall I've talked about there's an issue of Firestorm that had a variant cover from 1987. It's one of the few books that did this variant cover with Superman comics. It was Firestorm number 61. It's not that big a deal. It's just it's sort of rare because it was a variant cover all the way back in 87. I don't own a copy. I've just I've never got my hands on one. I don't want to spend the money for it. I, the, the inside of the comic's identical, so I just haven't got around to it. But I'm, you know I've kind of thought I should get it someday. Roy frickin' owns nine copies of this variant cover, and that's what he sent me. He's like, he sent me, he's like, you know, he, he just gotten more, and he's like, I've got nine copies now, and he's sort of been keeping me updated as he gets more, and then he ends with just like, I know, it's a sickness. Dude, it totally is. And by the way, my birthday's coming up, I'm just saying. But um, we heard from Doug Zavija. Zavija. Yes, I think I'm saying it right. Who co-hosted with us on the Red Tornado issue. And, uh... I'm really bad about that, isn't it? Anyway, uh, he was wondering about uh, the audio break. In the we had a, a I we screwed had a, up. No, I, no, I screwed up. I did. I, just, I don't see any need to sugarcoat it. I screwed up. We had, we had an audio problem. Anyway, he mentioned that. It says, <laughs> but I simply shrugged my shoulders and went right back to mowing the lawn. And yes, uh, yes, y'all, Zavisha is not uh, is, is how you pronounce it. It's not everyone who's born in, is into the. Uh, it's not everyone who is born into easy-to-pronounce last names like Kelly and Matthews. <laughs> nice. Heard from my buddy Kichi Baker, uh, who, by the way, helped inspire the Firestorm fan blog, if you didn't know that. Uh, he wrote about, when we talked about nostalgia stuff, he said, look, it comes down to this. Good stories are good stories, whether they're old or new. Unfortunately, DC hasn't told a hell of a lot of good stories in years. This goes back to uh, well before Flashpoint, though they really started to roll downhill to the to the crapper at an accelerated pace once Flashpoint happened. I actually read both JSA books towards the end of the old universe. Remember that horrid JSA All-Star book? Okay, dude, I, I don't think it was horrid. I kind of liked it. Anyway, compare those stories to the earlier John's JSA stuff and tell me about quality. Okay, I will agree there. The early John, this is Shag still. The, the early JSA stuff was awesome by John's. So anyway, he goes on talking about that and uh, he just, you know, he's making, he's, he's making some very strong points. And he says, um, Talks about you read Conway and Perez could tell the same entire story in three issues with a shitload more story uh, than they're than they've been able to tell in the last ten years because there's your nostalgia. It's nostalgia for good storytelling, nostalgia for writing good comics and not stretching out a two issue story to six so it'll fit the trade paperback. Go read the first issue of Quantum and Woody from Valiant and tell me why they cannot do that in the DC universe. There we go. Yep. Uh, we got a, we got a couple of emails from Alexander Adrock, who I've said before is my favorite Flintstones character. Uh, he mentioned <laughs> he, he, he was. He, I think he was being uh, pursued by the Great Gazoo, if I remember correctly. Um, <laughs> Sphinx Magoo. Sphinx Magoo. Uh, he mentions that he sort of got event fatigue as well, and he talked about that sometimes you just take you, you do need to take a break from some of the newer stuff. And uh, yeah, I, again, I think maybe my points weren't um, terribly well made in that episode. It's just. Um, I do, I do. You do get tired of sort of the sort of same style of storytelling, and especially right now, a lot of these stories are being told in the same sort of, you know, right for the trade kind of format. You know, where it's like intro, intro, something happens, pad, 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 conclusion. And maybe that's kind of what I'm getting tired of. And maybe you do need to take a break. Anyway, he said he would be sad if Aquaman got canceled, but he would also enjoy 
uh, us going back and talking about old Aquaman issues the way we're doing for Firestorm. So something to keep in mind in case uh, the well, in case the inevitable happens. I'd love to do the '60s series. That'd be fun. Yes. So got a got a comment from Aaron Bias. My single favorite comment of the entire thirty three thousand words. It was a simple little message he sent me through Facebook. Uh, it was it was after our last issue where we covered Aquaman number twenty two. We talked about how Scavenger had attacked Atlantis, and it seemed like at the end the big reveal at the end of the episode was that Scavenger wanted to take over the throne of Atlantis. Got him a big deal. Anyway, he wrote me just a very simple sentence. It says most of my big reveals happen when I'm sitting on the throne too. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I love potty humor. That Amy, uh, that Amy is a lucky woman. Dude, I fell out when I read that. I mean, I just lost it. And, uh, trying to explain it to my wife, Gita, she's just like, what? Why? I'm um, probably better that you didn't do that. It's guy humor. We get emails from Mike Gillis uh, regarding the Red Tornado. He said, episode, he said, when I heard Jag say that of Superman, I did a spit take. My first thought was, my God, did Superman rape Dr. Light? Thanks for traumatizing <laughs> me for a half second there, guys. Because I mentioned Superman pulled a Dr. Light. Yeah. So, anyway. <laughs> I like his comment here. He says, you're right. Life is short. We're only going to putter around on the planet for 70 to 90 years. Does it really make sense that we use that time being unhappy on purpose? So read what makes you happy. Blog on what makes you happy. Ignore the rest. So uh, I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. So, And then he says, uh, talk to, to me because I, I – raged against perms on the last episode hair permed hair sorry he says perhaps you're just like a perms explains your feelings about jericho and then he said, <laughs> there's, only, then he said there's only one really cool character with the perm and he actually s- sent a picture of tom baker from doctor who <laughs> and ironically i don't know if he t- knows this or not but he sent it from my other site myself which is once upon a geek so <laughs> anyway we got a lovely email from darren and ruth sutherland uh, they, it's a couple that listens to our show. Uh, I'll re- I'm going to read a lot of this, but I'll, I'll do it kind of fast because we're tight on time. Hi, Robin Shag. We just wanted to let you know how much we enjoy the podcast. Your banter is always entertaining. I've never considered myself a huge comics fan, but have long enjoyed a handful of titles. I grew up in the 1970s reading mainstream superhero comics before drifting away and turning my attention to some great independent titles in the 1980s. I returned to mainstream comics in the late 1980s and early 1990s thanks to the excellent Green Arrow series by Mike Grell. Hey, look at that. I mentioned that earlier, didn't I? Uh, before drifting away again. I would pick up the occasional graphic novel, but didn't follow the mainstream titles regularly. While I have not read the, the titles regularly, I've always considered myself a fan of the DC Universe more than Marvel. Throughout my life, my favorites have always remained Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Arrow, and Aquaman, with Spider-Man being the only Marvel character that interests me. With the launch of the new 52, I've decided to re- revisit some of my favorite superheroes, thanks to the convenience of digital comics, and chose a handful of titles to follow from the beginning. Overall, I enjoy the titles I've chosen, but I must admit that I've been surprised at the extreme variation in quality from title to title in both writing and art, and find that some of the story arcs are just too long. Then he goes on here to talk about how Aquaman is pure gold, and uh, he says the writing and art is stellar issue after issue, and I'm so happy to see the character getting the treatment he deserves. I'm lucky to have a wife who enjoys the same types of movies and books that I do, and we both read Aquaman and talk about it every month. That's pretty cool, man. I'm pretty jealous. This led us to look for websites about the character where we found the amazing Aquaman Shrine and discovered your fabulous Fire and Water podcast a few months ago. After listening to a couple of episodes, we decided to start from the beginning and are now almost caught up. It's been nice to revisit the issues we've already read by listening to your great discussions. Shag, I must admit that I'm not a fan of Firestorm, but your passion and enthusiasm for the character is infectious and led me to read some issues. But sorry, I wasn't converted. However, I was genuinely sad when the title was canceled uh, just because of how I knew you would feel. Now, just real quick, I want to address that. That is the second email I have gotten in the last month or two. 
telling me that people tried Firestorm because of me and their, my infectious enthusiasm and how they were disappointed. And I want to apologize. I want to say the best way I can articulate it is when they launched the new Firestorm series with the new 52, I was so excited that I let that override perhaps some of my judgment. Um, I would say that I still stand by the, some of the things I said. The art in the Firestorm, first 13 issues of Firestorm was fantastic. I would say um, the pacing was incredible. I love the fact that so much happened to each issue. But, you know, in hindsight now, I, I, I see it. The, the comic was rudderless. It, it, it had an idea of what it wanted to do. It's like a story Bible existed, but not a plan on how to tell the story. And uh, I think that's where it suffered. And so I, uh, I apologize if I misled anyone, but I would tell you, try picking up uh, Firestorm number 13 and Ford by Dan Jurgens, or go back and pick up the 1982 series from the Fury Firestorm from, uh, you know, from Conway and Broderick. Uh, I think uh, those are solid Firestorm recommendations that I think Rob would back me up on. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, Aaron Moss gave us an iTunes review. And, uh, again, I have to read some of this, Rob. I'm sorry. It's, uh, he says he's great fire, greatest Firestorm podcast ever. He, he talks about he's been listening to other podcasts, and he loves uh, Firestorm, and he ended up coming to here. But where, where's the part I want to get to? Uh, oh, man. Uh, nice job, Jack. Well, there's this part where he makes fun of you, and I really wanted that. You, think you would have oh, noted wow. that. I'm surprised. Well, I highlighted the whole thing because I thought I was going to read the entire thing. Anyway, uh, here, back to the real star of the show. Thank you, Shag. There it is. Uh, I love hearing your comments on our favorite Flamehead, and much like you, I'm sure I'm deeply saddened by DC's lame decision to cancel the best comic book on the market. I also love the band between Shagagagaga and Rob, blah, blah, blah. Not sure how long they've been friends. Okay, just for the record, we're not. But it sounds like they've been friends for years upon years. I listen to your wonderful podcast while I'm working at the IRS, and it helps me make the hours melt away. So the truth is, Rob and I have known each other since 2001. Um, we really didn't talk to each other until about, I don't know, a week before we started the podcast. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. We emailed each yeah, other, but yeah. we didn't, have, didn't ever actually talk. And again, for the record, we're, we're still not friends. So, um, yeah, it's mostly, a, says, it's mostly a, a legal relationship at this point. Exactly. Yeah. He says, also, I find it funny in retrospect, I'm listening to Shag talk about his love, this is in an old episode, talk about his love for Vibe and that he'll, Vibe would never show up again, knowing that as I type this, issue six is on the stands right now, and he's part of the JLA. So, and it's kind of ironic, so. <laughs> we, got an email, yep. we got an email from Michel Fief, which I just enjoy saying. Uh, he was a new fan. He said, I've been listening for a while, though. Long-time listener, first-time caller, cliche applies. And I discovered the show through the Aquaman Shrine. I totally get the concerns and questions raised by the site's function, direction, and other criticism aimed at it. You'd have to be tone deaf. You'd have to be a tone deaf fool to come down on hard on such an obvious body of effort and genuine enthusiasm. Constructive criticism can be helpful, but trolling should be ignored in the face of obvious passion. Come on, look at the interview list alone, or the insane obscure treasures the shrine digs up, or even the layout of the site. It's a neat freaks (parentheses me) dream. The dedication alone is staggering, and Rob should never be dismayed. Well, thank you, Michelle. Uh, he goes on, uh, mentioned some other stuff about Jim O'Para, which I love, but I, I specifically wanted to mention he has a website, and it's just Michelle Fief, which is M-I-C-H-E-L-F-I-F-F-E.com, and he has a whole bunch of interviews with comics pros, and uh, there's some really neat stuff in there. I went and, and read a lot of it, and he's got interviews with Tony Sammons, John Ostrander, Gary Panter. Mark Badger, Marcos Martin, Trevor Von Eden, Ty Templeton. It's a re- and plus 
he's got his art in there. This is a really interesting site. I, I was really impressed uh, at a lot of the stuff there. So go check that out if you're kind of a fan of any of those people. The interviews are very well done, and I uh, really appreciate Michelle's first-time comment. It's very, very helpful. Very, very uh, supportive. So thank you. Got a message through Facebook from Mark Kalmbach, and he says uh, he complimented me. I kind of dig this, so you know, he says that uh, I have my podcast persona audio delivery is sort of a cross between Mark Mike Rowe of Dirty Jobs and Season One Servo of MST3K. <laughs> season One Whoa. Servo, though, very interesting. How strange! So I love it. Thanks, man. Uh, Jason Jones is a buddy of ours who does the FKA podcast. Uh, <clears throat> this is very important here, folks. Everyone, listen up. Hold on to your hats. He has been going back and listening to old Fire and Water podcasts, and he says, drumroll please, the first person to refer to a comic book character as quote-unquote hot on your podcast was Rob. He did so in reference to Mara. I know you've taken some good-natured ribbing over your pronouncements of hot comic book girls, but it was Rob that set that bar. Um, we heard from Jeremiah Parker. He sent us an email. I, he gave us, uh, again, we got a cool little snippet of, a, of his, his comic origin, if you will. I just finished the last episode and wanted to let Rob know that I will read whatever he posts on his blog. I'm a huge Aquaman fan, but I was never able to get comics growing up. I'm just a little younger than that baby Chad Bokelman um, because my parents didn't see the appeal in comics. So a lot of what you post is stuff I will never – I will never see myself. I think it's great to see all the awesome art and splash pages so I can learn a bit about the history of the character. I myself don't really care if you cover the new stuff because I'm currently reading and watching the new stuff. No matter what you do in the shrine, it's still going to be the first site I go to every day. Thank you very much, very sir. Cool. Yes. Uh, we got emails from Caffeinated Joe. We got stuff from Martin Gray. Justin Barlow, who takes me to task for complaining that Aquaman is too popular now. <laughs> I didn't think I was necessarily, but okay. Oh. We uh, well, the Justin Barlow thing. Well, I I picked on you and said yes. those of us who have characters have been canceled so much. Oh, poor Rob, and he says he's going to weep into his pile of Blue yeah. Devil comics. He, he runs a Blue Devil right. blog. So we heard from J. David Weeder, and uh, he let us know what he's he has found his comic book Zen, uh, which is great. He and he's doing something. I, dude, I'm totally love this idea. He's starting in the early '80s, and he is building a retro pull list. So he's doing just like we would do where you'd get your monthly stack of comics, but he's going to do it from the early 80s. He's going to order the books, and he's going to read them in one-month chunks. <laughs> How cool that, is that? That is a very interesting idea. I think it's also the, the symbol of a madman, but it is very interesting. <laughs> uh, heard from David Pas. Let me see if I can say this wrong. Uh, Pascarella? You think that's right? That sounds, that sounds good. Um, he had, he had heard me over on Views from the Lawn Box and, uh, he, or he had heard Mike talk that we were doing a Who's Who podcast. So he came for the Who's Who podcast and he actually, uh, started listening to Fire and Water proper and he enjoys it. And he said the theme song is fantastic and he loves Rob's FDR impersonation. Keep it up. I will. Oh my God. It's so bad. Uh, <laughs> Martin Gray, by the way, you mentioned him a minute ago. I just want to say thanks. I just he, He's a pretty consistent commenter and uh, love the stuff you share, buddy. Appreciate it. So Then we heard from Benton Gray. Benton Gray. Who wow. took us to he, ask again for not liking Lord of the Rings. Deal with it, Benton. <laughs> well, Benton is extraordinarily well-written. He's, uh, he's a professor, if I remember right, uh, if I read this right, of literature. And so, like, I read his stuff, and I'm like, I feel so dumb. Um, anyway, he, he's, uh, he's written – long, long things here that are really great. Uh, I'm going to pick out one or two quick ones. He asked, uh, do I, do you happen to know why Firestorm never appeared on Bruce Timm's Justice League Unlimited? He would have been a perfect fit for the expanded league. I'm guessing there was some sort of rights issue, but I thought you'd probably have the skinny. Thanks for so much for the great entertainment. Well, here's the deal. Um, 
Firestorm, there were plans for him to appear in Justice League Unlimited. Uh, Dwayne McDuffie, who wrote Firestorm and was a Justice League Unlimited writer and producer, said that, that the producers had gotten permission from DC to use Firestorm, but the show's creators could not come up with a story using him that they liked. Supposedly, uh, the creators had planned to use the Ronnie Raymond Professor Martin Stein version of Firestorm, and he was slated to be the lead character in the episode uh, that eventually became the greatest story never told, which was a Booster Gold episode, which, in my opinion, is just like one of the best episodes of the Justice League Unlimited comic, I mean, cartoon. I absolutely love it. And it breaks my heart knowing that that awesome episode would have been a Firestorm episode. Yeah, oh. yeah. Jeez. That's yeah. Um, okay, let, let's do this real quick. Um, Red Tornado, I, I kind of got pissed off because Flash took Firestorm to task. <laughs> And so, because Flash, he just totally chewed out Firestorm. Because Firestorm said, "God, you know, guys, why are you bothering to try and say Aquaman? He's already dead already." Or actually, I think he just said he's dead already. Anyway, um, you know, Benton says, "Now, as for Shag's defense of Firestorm at the expense of the Flash, I got to say, Russell Burbage is entirely right here. Note that Flash is showing off, doing the Rubik's cube thing, uh, being perhaps a tad cavalier with the Rubik's cube, but before anyone was severely injured. They're looking for Reddy, but Barry's not telling his friend's daughter that her father's dead or anything. Equally insensitive or terrible." Yet, the match head, later on, does much, much, much worse. Firestorm's basically standing in a room with a family and telling them, why are you wasting your time to save your brother? He's obviously dead. Uh, he goes, I mean, this is unbelievably insensitive and downright appalling bad taste. Flash should have given him the super speed backhand, ju- not just for talking, and not just to talking to. Is Barry also taking out his frustrations on Ronnie? Probably. But the kid deserved a tongue lashing, and what he said was remarkably stupid. He comes off like a jerk to his teammates. All right. I will back down a bit on my as a shag on my frustration about uh, Barry Allen chewing out Firestorm, but I'll say this: it, I don't think Firestorm being that insensitive was a perfect representation of the character because Ronnie's a pretty good dude. I think there was a story or a story element there that Jerry Conway wanted to communicate, and Ronnie became the way to tell that piece of the story. So. Uh, the fact that it made a lot of people angry at Firestorm, I think it was just more of a tool of the story than for you to really hate the character. I mean, it drove Russell Burbage to never buy Firestorm again. That's um, overcorrection, I would say. Well, I, yeah, so I, I think what happened there was Firestorm, you know, they, they, they wanted to tell a story element, so they used Firestorm to do it, and apparently that gave him a much worse rap with a lot of people than I would have ever thought. Well, so. it's also, you know what, people, you sometimes say something stupid, you know, as anyone who listens to the show knows. You occasionally just say something stupid. You don't. You know, it doesn't mean that that's who you are in perpetuity. It's just occasionally something spills out, and you're like, "Oops," you know. And I think that's what Firestorm was doing in that moment. And he's speaking for himself. Everything I say is podcasting gold. Yes, of course. So, um, Benton said, in terms of his own comic joy, Shag put it, I suppose the comics of the 70s and early 80s are it for me. You're getting into more mature storytelling. You get some of the seminal stories of the JL, of the X-Men, the JLA, the Titans, and many others. And yet you haven't gotten into the worst of the dark and joyless trends that eventually moved in. On the other hand, I suppose my comic joy could also be right now. I'm reading some of the best comics I've ever read. They just aren't superhero books. He's reading Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, and Atomic Robo show up in his box every month. And unlike DC and Marvel, they never disappoint. They are universally well-written, clever, compelling, and clean. If only I could get a JLA book like one of these. Uh, he mentions in one another one of his emails, I did hear enough uh, to know that Merck is involved in this Aqua issue, and while I share Rob's barely concealed contempt for the character. Barely concealed? <laughs> I didn't even know I was trying. <laughs> that, that really shocked me. I didn't think I was concealing it at all. I hate this character, and I want him to die. So... Well, he makes 
You're not going to read the rest of it? He makes a perfect Okay, go ahead. Here. Go, you finish it. He says, I love the idea that Mark is an avatar of the worst elements of Aquaman's previous characterizations. If they reveal that he was raised by dolphins, I'll enjoy it even more. That's, that's pointing yes. out the uh, post-crisis Aquaman origin. He says, I'm looking forward to Arthur beating the pants off of him. Heck, I wouldn't even mind if the guy became a subordinate villain as a way to provide Aqua, fan, Aqua fans with a cathartic release for the trauma of years and years of bad writing. <laughs> so what he's saying is Mark, he thinks, is supposed to represent everything that was wrong with Aquaman during the 90s because he's got the hook hand. He's got the shoulder thing. I mean, he, he looks very much like a representation of Peter David's Aquaman. So, you know, it could that's very well be. That's a really interesting be. observation. I mean, you know what? You're probably dead on because, uh, you know, Jeff Johns is writing this book and Jeff Johns has a history of taking a character and making him represent something in you know, either the real world or comics that he wants to sort of editorialize. For example, Superboy Prime is supposed to represent uh, out-of-control fanboys. And Deathstorm from Firestorm, I hate that character, is supposed to represent um, what, he, what Jeff Johns perceives 90s extreme villains to be extreme. like. Right. By the way, it's official. Deathstorm's coming back. He's, he's in Villains Month. It's done deal. Oof. Anyway, um, we hear from Michael Bailey. <laughs> says, Eternal Flame by the Bangles will be forever associated with Firestorm You're now. welcome, Michael. Thanks so much, Rob. <laughs> uh, he talks about, uh, talks about your buddy Alan Brennan. He says, every story he mentioned rank as some of my favorite Batman stories ever. Go. I keep forgetting they're all written by the same guy. guy. Had the neck. Uh, now, I like this. This is a Red Tornado thing. There's a mystery afoot. A serious one, too. I was listening to the Red Tornado theme Fire and Water episode with Shag Matthews, Robert Kelly, and Doug Z. And overall, it was a fun episode. But I'm wondering who kidnapped Shag and took his place. Because the Shag I know, <laughs> the man I've known for years, wouldn't have a problem with an 80s comic with some serious continuity in it. We need to find out what happened to Shag because I, for one, am worried. All right. Uh, again, I could just go back to I'm fine with continuity. It's just sometimes they put too much of that crap in there. So... Uh, Chad Volkerman responded talking about some other stuff. Used the word zygote. It made me laugh. Um, so, uh, love Chad Volkerman. So, and basically what happened was Michael Bailey and Chad Volkerman both were inspired by Rob's discussion about what, sh- what your blog should be about. And Chad, as I said, has written his manifesto, which is great. And you need to go read it on Corpse Conjecture. Michael Bailey is working on his. Um, and it's, uh, I think it's great. And there's a great discussion going back and forth about it. Uh, Mike, Mike Gillis jumped in, kind of reiterated what he, what we read earlier. So life's too short to waste on being unhappy on purpose. He gave a good plug for atomic robo and, uh, talked about the stuff he enjoys. So it was very cool. I think Mike Gillis has money in atomic robo because he promotes it a lot. I don't think he, I think he's writing it under a pseudonym or something. It's a good book. Brian Clevenger's great. He had a great idea for a firestorm launch. They didn't pick up his story, which is unfortunate. Heard from Luke Dobb. Uh, starts off by being nice. He says, this podcast continues to be a consume this first podcast for me. I love it. Uh, Shag, I've been enjoying the classic Firestorm coverage. A few weeks ago, my boss, another comic collector, informed me a whole line of Firestorm comics on sale at their cover prices. I hurried over to grab them and was excited to return with issues two through six. When I shared my spoils with my boss, he said, that's it? Uh, There was a whole run of Firestorm in the bins when I was there. So either he missed them or Bizarro Luke swept in and carried off the rest of the books. Actually, what I think there, Luke, or what it was, is that our show has inspired people around the world to buy old issues of Firestorm. We are helping I'm boost the saying. economy. I totally think so. Um, I wanted to mention this about Luke just as an off-topic thing. A couple of months ago, uh, Luke uh, adopted a puppy, and he's been posting pictures of his mm-hmm. Uh Good on you, Luke. Anytime somebody takes a, a, a dog that needs a home into their home, that's a very loving gesture, and you're making the world a better place. And it's an adorable dog, so nice job, Luke. 
It's a really cute yes, dog. I mean, he's really freaking cute. Um, <laughs> he said uh, he's been enjoying uh, he's been enjoying Firestorm, and he said now I can participate in the coverage. By the way, I agree with everybody that the Wonderland caterpillar on the cover of number two looks like a menacing turd. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got a fa- Facebook comment from David Fior uh, regarding episode fifty. This is why podcasting was invented. Three knowledgeable, none-too-serious individuals wax nostalgic, ironic, while pouring over DC Comics house ads from the early to mid-1980s for four and a half hours. That's, <laughs> that's half my workday right there. Regular hosts Robert Kelly and Jag are joined by entity known as Dabu Frank, and the results are frankly inspired. Frankly inspired. Oh, I forgot to mention it. For those of you who don't know, Frank, Dabu Frank, is on Twitter. Is he? I don't think I know. Yes. Oh, that's right, he is. That's right, that's right, yes. He, he just joined Twitter in the last day or two. So look for Commander Blanks if you're a Twitter guy, and uh, just know the insanities on its way. Oh, Twitter's going to collapse. It's going to be all fail whale for like the next three months. 140 characters is not enough to contain that wisdom. <laughs> They're going to change it. They're gonna, Twitter's like, you know what, from now on, 300 characters. You get double. I uh, heard from Alan Middleman. Always like hearing from Professor Alden. Uh, he says, I enjoy when you guys talk general geek stuff. Both Rob and you talking about blogging history was very interesting. Keep up the good work. Thanks so much. Uh, this one, I don't, I don't get this. Someone's going to have to tell me what, what the secret is behind this. There's a page out there, like a fan page, I guess it is, for something called Sweet Sasquatch. <laughs> I don't know. And he basically put a, a, what is the equivalent of a tweet out there, even though it was on Facebook. <laughs> he says, um, follow Friday, Aquaman Shrine and Firestorm fan, because the Fire and Water podcast is the greatest geek community ever forged. I love you guys, nuclear subs. Who the hell is this? Who runs this that we know? <laughs> and Martin Stein responded with, I'm sorry, Robert Gross, who's Martin Stein returns, responded with, we're a community? Can I run for mayor? <laughs> um, now, Daniel, Daniel Cynical Adams, who's responsible for our ending thing, by the way, him and Ashton Burge, wrote uh, a very uh, opposing comment to a lot of our nostalgia talk, and I, I think this is great to bring up. He said, I completely disagree. I have loved the new 52 for the most part. I love the cohesive nature of the DCU. I love how every little detail of each book leads into something bigger. Some of my favorite work has come from recent comic runs. John's Green Lantern run, Schneider's Batman run, Blackest Night, Brightest Day, John's Aquaman. I love older stories, but I can't get excited about reviews of older comics. Why? Because I've read them already. Not only have I read them, but I let the material sink in. I've looked at them from a dozen angles. Occasionally I'll reread them, but I don't get pumped about hearing someone else's views of it. New issues, on the other hand, are exciting because we can speculate where the stories are going, what the twists will be, etc. But hey, I like the events and, uh, and cohesive narratives. Maybe I'm just crazy. I think that's an incredibly valid viewpoint, yeah. Daniel. Um, it, it's different from ours, and that's okay. Everyone's entitled to their own opinions. If it doesn't match ours, they're wrong, but they're entitled to have their own opinion. Now, um... I think what you said is great, man. I, I want. I'm glad someone came out with an opposite viewpoint because that's you know that's what this is all about is having a rational discussion. You make a lot of good points. There's a lot to be said for liking the new. Uh, I'm actually that way with Doctor Who. Uh, I tend to like the new stuff a lot more than the old stuff. I mean, I still love the old stuff, but I'm I get more passion and excitement for the new stuff. So I totally get where you're coming from. Um, I just I'm not that way with comics, but I'm that way with other other stuff. I yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't really even think of them even as reviews, really. They're just sort of. I don't know. I don't even know what the word is. Recaps. It's, it's probably. Le- it's not exactly the right word of it. Because like when I think about that, I go and find podcasts uh, of other shows that talk about movies that I already know I love. You know, like Raiders of the Lost Ark or The Thing. And it's like I'm not looking for reviews of these movies because my opinion of them is already set. 
but I just love hearing somebody else explore a topic that I know I already love. So that to me is sort of part of the point of re reviewing the old Firestorm issues. It's not so much to render a judgment because everybody already has. It's just more of, you know, hey, maybe this, maybe there is some other angle that uh, you haven't heard that we're going to cover in some way. Well, it's, you know, some of it's just a nostalgia, mm -hmm. self-satisfaction. I mean, just we, we love the comics, and it's fun to revisit it's, them. And, yeah. and also, just on a pure practical level, we want Firestorm to be half the show. And yes. how else are we going to do it? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, it's kind of cool, too, though, is like with this older stuff, the community, for discussion purposes, didn't exist back in 1982 right. when these comics came out. And now we can talk to, you know, you could talk to somebody at your comic shop or you could talk to somebody, you know, via a letter and hear back from them three weeks later. But um, now, you know, we can talk about it in real time on social media. It's fun. Yeah. All right, folks, strap in. Uh, we are going to name check a whole bunch of people uh, because you guys are so amazing. Seriously, like I, what I wanted to do, Rob, I, I ran out of time. I wanted to count how many people are represented in this uh, 50 pages of feedback. Mm. I'm guessing it's about 300 individuals. I'm no kidding. I'm not. I'm not kidding. There's like, because I'm about to read the Facebook list. This list is almost 100 people alone. <laughs> so um, that just that just goes to show how amazing you guys are and how involved you are with the show. And, and these are just the folks we hear from. It's not even the folks that listen and we don't hear from. So you love all of y'all, man. Okay, strap in. Here we go. You are about to hear some of the worst pronunciations you will hear all month. Here we go. Over on Facebook, we got support from the fan page for DC Comics, The Justice League, Abel Padilla, Alan Middleton. Uh, and now, by the way, I may read a few names I've already said before, uh, like Alan Middleton. I said him earlier. Sorry. They get named twice. Hooray for them. Okay. Uh, Albert Miranda, Alex Dagny, Andy, <laughs> Andy Capellis. What? Yeah. It just it threw off my pace, Sorry. man. Uh, Andy Capellis, Antonio Wilson, Arthur Canning, Arthur... Quizada, Benjamin Embry, Bill Powell, Bradley Nunn, Brian Miller, who happens to be the colors from Firestorm, by the way, Brian W. Frazier, uh, Captain Adam. Wow, no, the fan page. <laughs> it was page nice of Captain him Adam. to show up and I was like, like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, Carlos Guillamarez, Carlos Mucha, Chad Argabright, Chad Bokelman, Charlie Niemeyer, Chris Mounts, Christopher Chance, Christopher J. Warden, Corey Hodgson, DJ Shabley. Uh, Dale Bagwell, Daniel Cynical Adams, David J. Dixon, Dennis Raymond, Diogo Oliveira, Doug Zawisha, Edward Woodward, Ilan Mimone, Eli McGee, Eric Rex Peterson, Francisco Germ... Germ... Wow. Germinian. Germinani. Wow. Nice. Well done. Gary Clement, Giancarlo Nurco, Gilmero Val Valadares, Hector Negrete... Isaac Rodriguez, J. David Weeder, James Ferbino, Joe, Joe G. Medellin VI, Joel Rivoria, John Fallon Jr., John Godwin, John R. Opal, John Reynolds, John Van Howen Jr. I'm really regretting <laughs> like, alphabetizing this is, this these is now. This like Buckwoo Banzai here. <laughs> Joseph Rice, Juan Pablo Savalos Santa Maria, Keith G. Baker, Keith Ostfeld, Keith Deemer, Keith Homo, Kevin Culp, Kevin Hansen. Kyle Benning, Lee Novak, Lil Russell Burbage, Luke Dobb, Manjit Dengel, Marcos Aranita, Mario Grasso Quiro, Matthew Rodriguez, Max Romero, Miguel Angel Galanero Ramirez, Mike LaCroix, Monty B. Halsworth, Nelson O. Burgos, Oscar Olede, Peter E. Guierescu, Randall Caldwell, Randy Meyer, 
Richard Pertone, the 1984 Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, <laughs> Robert Gross, Ronnie Ribeiro, Ronnie Ling, Roy What's Up Shin Morris, Ryan Daly, Ryan Reed, Sammy J. Maynard II, Scott Cosby, Sean Corey, Sean Brock, Chester Aguar, uh, Stephen James, Stig Eric Erickson, Super Friends. Oh, the fan page. Okay, that would have been really cool, the Super Friends. Tim Wallace, Todd Weber. Uh, is that right, Weber? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Veng Ting, Walter... Venting. Oh, I just got that. <laughs> I never got that. That's brilliant. Walter R. Zebel Jr., uh, William Angora, William Boyd, William Byrne, and Zeb Oswald. Oh, my gosh. Now, I actually want to read Oof. the Google Plus support because I am sort of getting a grudging admiration for these people who just won't give this up. Uh, if you're if you're wondering where all the laser discs are in the world, I think they belong in the houses in the houses of these guys. Uh, Google Plus is growing for real. It's becoming something. It's happening. Okay. All right. It was well, all because Google um, had maximized their search engine with it. That's okay. why. Anyway, Alejandro Reynoso, Brian Miller, Colors from Firestorm, comic book and movie reviews, Dale Russell, Gene Hendricks, Hendrick Hector, Negrete, Keith G. Baker, Kevin Culp, Luke Dobb, Luke G. Jack Anthony, Mario Zuniga, Martin Gray, Max Romero, my buddy, Oscar Oleb, Paul Bowler, and Siskoid. Sweet. Uh, I'm going to take Tumblr. I'm going to let you take Twitter since I took Facebook. Uh, over on Tumblr, we heard uh, we got support from Anon252, Bill Bailey, uh, Brave and the Bold, Geeking All Night Long, Hector Negrete, I Knew I Couldn't Trust You. <laughs> so I like that one. J. David Weeder, Joey's Art Stuff, Keechee Baker, Peter Parker's Pad, Ryan Daly Comics, Scribbles in the Dark, Show Me Your Bits, Stories. <laughs> Shy, get back to the Star- list. Stories. <laughs> Star Wars Liquidators, The Opacity of Mr. Brown, Timothy Y. Drake, uh, Tsui? Tsuji? I don't know. I'm not sure how you say that. Tsuji Tunes, We Forge Our Own Destinies, and Zegas. All right. Uh, Twitter, this is, oh boy, here we go. Um, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to do the names and the ads. I, I just find this is just too much. So I think I'm just going to read the names and this will go from there. Uh, well, if it's a if it's a particularly good ad, that's true. All right. Some yeah, funny that, ones out. Well, you know, I'll just read. Okay, uh, uh, five truths and a lie at five truths and a lie, <laughs> whatever that means. Uh, Akshay Adesani, Alexander Adrock, Andy Capellish, Ange Aquaman, Talk, Ben Avery, Bill Bear, Bob, Bottle City, Kenga, <laughs> brightest brightest daycare. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? <laughs> <laughs> that is good. Catherine Schofstall, hey, a woman. Curry Hodgson, Dave C, Dave Golding, artist. Dave Morgan, Derek Holtum, Dom Ghost Hunter, GDH, Dustin Stauffer, uh, Il Perrin, Eduardo Escovar, Elvina Elween, FKA Podcast, Gary Music Miller, Glenn Walker, Hector Negretta, Intercomics, James Quirch, and Jay Jones, Jamie, Jerome Liamson, Jim, Jimmy McGlinchey, Joe Slab, Justin Barlow, Keechy Baker, Keith Samer, Ken Hommel, Cord Industries, Kyle Benning, Lucian Desar, Luke Dobb, Luke Jack and Eddie, Martin Gray, Michael Morris, Michael Whitehead, Michael Laval, Mr. Oddly, Negative Steve, Newspaper Comics, Oscar Allowed, Palma Hibbert, Paul Bowler, Private Zod, <laughs> like Private Zod, <laughs> uh, Professor Alan Milton, Randy Caldwell, Record Collector, Rod Pruitt, Roy, what's up, Morris? Ryan O'Sullivan, Siskoid, Sidney Dupree, Tom Zoller, Tony D, Tony Snark. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Level 7, and William Estep. Great list, folks. Uh, and just 
For those of you who like to gang up on me about the JLA flashbacks, just so you know, Hector Negrete, Keith G. Baker, Thomas Zoller, and Randy Caldwell all got on my case about uh, me fussing about nostalgia. I'm sorry, about the continuity flashbacks. <laughs> particularly hurtful was Tom uh, Zoller's. <laughs> so, yeah, a... <laughs> so, anyway... <laughs> I took a, I took a real beating on that one, guys. I took one for the team. All right. Well, folks, Woo! that is it. What a massive amount. As I said, 33,000 words. <laughs> um, and, again, not all of them are Franks. It's crazy. <laughs> so thank you so much, guys. I, I say it uh, often, but this show really is not just Rob and I's. You guys are a huge integral part about it. Uh, let us know what you think about the idea of doing a listener feedback episode versus embedding it in each episode. Um, you know, maybe we'll keep alternating. I don't know. We'll have to see. Let us know what you think about Power Records as a standalone show as well. And, um, you know, share anything else you got, man. Let us know what your comic joy is if you haven't told us yet. Also, there was one comment in here I didn't get to read, but uh, one guy said that he could listen to us read other people's comic book secret origins all day long. And that's something to think of. I got thinking that'd be kind of a cool show, Rob, where if, if everyone shared with us their comic secret origins, how they got into comics or how they got into particular things, that might make a fun show, that too. Would make, it might so. make a very good book. Someone should come up with a book like that. Oh, they should. <laughs> and maybe sell it sometime soon. Maybe sell it sometime soon. Hopefully some news soon. Uh, something else I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention at the break. Uh, after Robert Gross's song, you're, you heard a little promo uh, from my pal, West Anthony, who is a co-host of the AuteurCast, which is a really, really fine podcast where him and his co-host, Rudy, Rudy Obias, pick a movie director and just sort of trip hammering through their career, doing analyzing film by film, episode by episode. And West was also the narrator of the Ace Kilroy uh, Kickstarter video, and he has been a real pal through all this and been very, very supportive of Ace Kilroy, and, and he's been a great guy. And I asked him, would he mind recording a Fire and Water bumper? And, like, two hours later, I got one from him. So uh, his dulcet tones, I really wanted to get his voice onto the show because he is an awesome, awesome voiceover person. So that was the ad that you heard. Uh, I wanted to mention that too. So he's a great guy. Check out the author. If you're a fan of, of, of films, if you're like a film scholar, check out the author cast. You will not regret it. Very cool. Awesome sauce. All right, folks, uh, you can reach us. Uh, you can obviously leave comments on our blogs, firestormfan.com or aquamantrine.com. You can reach us both on Facebook and Twitter under the same handles. You can find Firestorm Fan also on Tumblr and on Google Plus. And I am playing around with uh, Instagram right now. So you can you can try me there too. Now, Rob, they can find the show on Tumblr as well. What what's that Tumblr address? Fire and Water and the email address is firewaterpodcast at comcast.net. Awesome. Uh, you guys are the best, the single best podcast listening community in the world. Don't let anyone tell you anything different. Till next time, folks, fan the flame and ride the wave. Bye. Aquaman and Firestorm Fighting crime together Soak them down or burn them up No one does it better Whenever you find trouble They'll always be there To catch them in a bubble Or even torch their hair Stand for truth and justice And see on land and air Firestorm and Aquaman They make a super pair Aquaman Super friends forever. Yeah!
Baby Root presents moments with great American heroes. Sure, there's a lot of bad guys out there, but gravity is my biggest enemy. And I'll be honest, my vision is not what it used to be. That's why I eat Baby Root. It's got all the energy in there to put me right back at the top of my game. Your rival, Lion Mane, says that's cheating. Cheating? <laughs> he said that? How did he sound? Was he mad? Baby Root from Nestle. This baby gets you going.